Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas Angui from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Emmanuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Daft Punk! Hello, robots, biggest ball from around the world. It's time to get lucky. And you know what, fellas? What? I feel it. Oh, yeah? I feel it coming. Oh, yeah? I feel it coming, baby. <laughs> I feel it coming. Because today, we're talking about the eight years the Daft Punk spent as a group post-Ram. Post-Ram. In a, in a more hopeful world where the specter of a future Daft Punk loomed a large like a like a twinkle in the sky that we could grasp at any second i was gonna say i don't think specters that loom large are traditionally viewed as positive <laughs> yeah things. maybe for you but looming specters are generally <laughs> not bad things every, out there. every time i've had a specter loom over large over my life it's turned out good <laughs> daft punk has been an albatross around my neck for my entire life okay <laughs> No, I, yeah, so we're going to talk about everything that happened in the post-RAM world of Daft Punk. They did some cool stuff. They did, uh, um, they put together some really big songs, some really cool songs, and then out of nowhere, randomly on a cold Monday in February, they told the world we've had enough, (laughs) and they hung it up forever. So this episode's going to cover all of that stuff. All of it. All of it. All of it. Every last moment of it. Every We're single go thing. week by week for eight years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> yes. man. We're going to have, um, it would be uh, like 400 episodes, <laughs> each one covering a week in their <laughs> <Yeah>. lives, <laughs> in the eight years that they... She's just covering just events from the week yeah. in the news and stuff. Yeah, like... <laughs> The the week that Tomas spent like on a French beach <laughs> eating rich foods and stuff, I would actually listen to the hell out of that. Yeah, you absolutely would. <laughs> <laughs> you actually, would. you would love that. I, <laughs> I might be the only person in the world that would love that. Uh, but yeah, um, we got some wonderful correspondence from our fans again this week. Yeah, um, we put a call out. Uh, three and a half hours into an episode last week, we put a call out, said, if you made it this far, send me a link uh, to a song that you're digging, and, and we'll send you a shirt. And haikus. There's and, two so haikus included. Darren, Darren put a, a, muscled, the haiku joke at the end. I muscled that requirement in there. Uh, we had a friend do it. He sent a link, and he sent a haiku. Two. Uh, he, his haiku was... Seas sound in the breeze, captured in a pretty shell, nature's gift to me. And he also said, lying on my bed, holding music to my ear, I drift out to sea. Now give me my shirt. Now give me my shirt. We are. Alpha Jabari. That's great haiku work. 575, traditionally. Uh, if you are somebody who did order uh, a shirt and you haven't got yours yet, uh, all of the, the current orders are shipped out. So you should, if you haven't gotten it already, you should be getting uh, yours right now. And if uh, you haven't, 
ordered one? What are you thinking? Yeah, they're yeah. ordered what now. Thinking? What, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Why would Buy you one. not? It's got the pyramid on it, and it says in big bold letters, two, two French, French robots. robots. Once, though. Only once. It's not double. <laughs> no, it says it twice just in unison, so You're, it shows oh, it's up as perfect what? harmony. Yeah, yeah right, it lines it. up. <laughs> yeah, perfect. You can't tell, but it's actually two. You can't tell, but there's two I can tell. I can tell everything. I can tell. I can tell everything. I can tell everything. There's nothing I can't tell. There's nothing I there's nothing I won't tell. Uh, and not only that, but uh, Alpha Jabari, uh, um, if that is your real name, right from our neck of the woods. Oh, oh really? Yeah. A, a Detroit boy through and through. Hell yeah. It's awesome. always nice to hear from another Michigander who loves Daft Punk. Uh, so, yeah, that was great. We also heard from a new friend uh, called Jackson from Texas. He Is it uh, bigger? There is Daft Punk bigger in Texas? Uh, actually, weirdly, Daft Punk's the only thing that's smaller than the rest of the world. <laughs> That Daft Punk there is only like three or four feet high. <laughs> they shrunk to <Daft laughs> three quarters scale. Daft yeah. Punk in Texas. Yeah, the, the pyramids only the pyramids only like fourteen feet high there. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> he just started the podcast. He he searched Daft Punk on iTunes just just to see what would happen, and we showed up. Hey, hell yeah! Uh, and he started to listen. He's uh, he said he listens every week at work in in his car he constantly loves hearing us talk about the frenchest oh, robots yeah, thank you wow thank you uh yesterday i was in my spanish class listening to the discovery episode instead of actually listening to the lectures Hell honestly yeah. you probably will learn about. more from us i i don't want to i don't want to speak out of turn here but you will learn more from us than you will your you spanish teacher you will not teacher. learn more spanish <laughs> no you'll no, learn from less us. spanish you will learn less spanish from we us we did then. have we did have a a, a fan of the the robots who lives in France email us in French with, that we had to translate on the internet asking if we were going to do French translations of our episodes so uh, more people could listen. Again, if you're out if there you and, you out there are, and you, want to, you want to translate yeah. our show into different word languages, for word, word for word, we will approve <laughs> that if you get us the final product. You yeah. should talk your way into teaching a Daft Punk class at a college. I could do that. You could do that. They <laughs> I mean, like, you have the script. You literally have the script. A bunch yeah. of colleges have like... Like philosophy of the Simpsons and yeah, shit. Yeah. You can figure that out. Yeah, I could do that. I could weasel my way into some, uh, at least the community college. Yeah, I, I can, can weasel my way into anything. I, I, I can talk confidently about anything. <laughs> uh, he, uh, Jackson goes on, thank you guys for making me feel comfortable to listen and talk about Daft Punk constantly. Y'all are amazing yep. at what you do, and I will continue to support PS. I feel like I us fans should get a, a fan cam for the finale episode and maybe some cosplay. Oh hell yeah! Uh, yeah, maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll get a yeah. maybe I'll throw. We, a well, when we together. did our when we did our Simpsons live podcast, you can you came with a wig. That's I mean, right. You I came had a in character, Bob wig. When we did our our, our st- live live stage version of the other podcast, we do. Uh, yeah, so maybe Thanks, if somebody Jackson, that was awesome. If one of you fans out there wants to thank us for all the hard work you do. Maybe send us a helmet. Send us a helmet. <laughs> send us a full helmet. If you send us a helmet, I will send you a T-shirt. <laughs> uh, if you honestly though, uh, if you do have anything to send us, uh, we do. Uh, you feel free to email us, and we'll give you the PO box and all that stuff. We we do have a PO box. We have a PO box. Um, we also heard uh, from a fan named Rachel in uh, San Diego. She emailed me a couple weeks ago to let me know that she had a personal story she wanted to share and she was going to get it together. Uh, and she uh, get it, got it together in the way of a YouTube video. Uh, she is uh, Rachel Woods on YouTube if you want to look up her um, her channel. But she sent us a nice video. She tells the story of a time that she was at 
uh, a music festival seeing one of her favorite acts, Dead Mouse. And um, oh, yeah. uh, there was a two uh, two people in the full robot regalia hanging out outside the tent. And um, they were like proportionally the right size. So for a brief second, she thought that it might actually be Tomas Gimon hanging out <laughs> in costume at a hard fest. <laughs> Uh, um, but they escaped before she got to have get a picture taken with Aww. them. She also goes on in the video to um, uh, uh, lay out her theory about what the boys might be up to in a post-retirement world. Uh, so if you want to hear uh, Rachel's theories, go check it out. I saw a dead mouse yeah. recently, but it was just a one my cat that died. One yeah. my cat caught. Absolutely. And brought to me. I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Uh, this is Rachel thanking us. I want to just, again, thank you so much for all the hard work you're putting into this podcast. I really appreciate it because I was extremely devastated when I heard the news that they broke up. I literally cried for a week and I binged on all their products. Yeah, I wanted to, again, thank you, Andy, so much for your hard work in the script. Thank you, Devin and Darren, for giving your comments and your knowledge on music and why Daft Punk is important to you guys. Yeah, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Rachel. Um, she, I thanked her. She sent in another email, a long, a long, nice email. She said, you guys are so lucky to have each other, to share that special bond when it comes to dance music. I've yet to fa- find my dance music fam. Have a great time rocking out to dance music under the bridge. I told her. Hell <laughs> what, yeah. I, she's a big fan of Dead Mouse, so I told her Dead Mouse is going to be in our town this weekend, but we're going to be raving we're under a bridge be, instead. We're going to do our own songs under a bridge. Yeah. We really are. And we mentioned it last week in our review episode. It took it took me a long time to find folks to really bond with over this stuff. Yeah, and he had to Andy had to force you guys had to forcibly change yeah. me to be like this. They're too. out so there. Like, uh, if you keep spreading your love of this stuff and keep uh, keep up uh, with your passion for dance music, Rachel and anybody else out there, you'll find your people. Like I found Devin and Darren. They're out there. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, everybody, for your wonderful, kind words and your fun facts and uh, your videos that you've sent us. Um, it means a lot to be able to connect with Daft Punk fans uh, everywhere around God, the world. You, it's right there. <laughs> I know. I do it. I know. I know. <laughs> I do it sometimes, and sometimes I'm like, do I need to do another around the world ref right now? Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it, it really means a lot to me that you guys are out there listening and enjoying what we do. Uh, we put a lot of a, a stupid amount of work into a four month show about um, two guys who put robot masks on and <laughs> make bleeps and blues. <laughs> uh, um, uh, but it, yeah, so that's one of my favorite things about this whole show is connecting with people like Rachel and Jackson. Yeah. Uh, and it's great. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for being our friends. If you are interested in connecting with us and talking about Daft Punk. Oh, I forgot one. Uh, we have a new friend in India. His name is Angkor. He, uh, his hobby is um, uh, taking uh, dance music logos and photoshopping them nice and making stickers out of them. Oh, cool. That's awesome. And we have a sheet of Daft Punk logo stickers on our way from India oh, man, as that's we speak. Oh, so cool. Thank you. Uh, so thank you, Angkor. Uh, um, he does a lot of uh, – he's posted photos of his stickers on Reddit. Uh, so go check that out. 
and thank you for sending those uh, halfway around the world for us. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna put mine on my car. Yeah, it's the uh, it's the live logo oh, really? as a That's sticker, awesome. yeah. a whole yeah, sheet yeah, of them. Yeah, it's very cool. That rocks. Thank you. Uh, thank and you. Yeah, if you're out there and you want to connect with us and talk and share your love or stories about Daft Punk, you can reach us at info at alive2021.com or on Facebook or on Instagram, and we'll uh, we'll bond over. Uh, Beeps, boops, French robots. Plips and plops. Ploops and plops. Boop and doops. <laughs> Boop and doops. Boops and doops. Boops and doops. Boops and doops. <laughs> Let's get started. Okay. In 1997, Daft Punk was awash with adulation for, uh, of critics, fans, and the music industry alike. Everyone was fascinated by these two soft-spoken French teenagers who had somehow cracked the code and packaged the strained, intriguing, strange, intriguing sounds of European acid house into something that could introduce millions of people around the world to the bubbling culture of dance music. Four years later, their status as cultural tastemakers were, uh, was vaulted to another level when the release of Discovery set the stage for an evolution in pop music, the ripples of which can still be felt in, top 40, in the top 40 20 years later. I love feeling ripples. I love feeling ripples. Chips. <laughs> Chip. Ripples. <laughs> ripples with riches. Yeah. Ripple chips. <laughs> Their status as icons was cemented when they touched down in a glimmering LED pyramid in the desert at Coachella, redefining the live electronic dance music experience and inadvertently launching a $6 billion a year industry in the process. Time and time again, uh, in the way they construct their music, in their creative and inventive use of technology, in their innate knack of understanding the cha changing tides of the music industry, and in their revolutionary ability to wield creative branding to demand attention from pop culture writ large, Tomas Bengalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo have been celebrated as some of the most important minds and talents in the music business in the last quarter century. All the hype and praise of their illustrious career did not match the warm affection the robots received in the wake of their 2013 magnum opus, Random Access Memories. After their, after their biggest hit as a duo, Get Lucky, became the song of the summer. After critics hailed it as a beautiful love letter to the golden age of disco. After the industry crowned them with five Grammys, including Album of the Year, Daft Punk settled into a well-deserved break, fading from the front lines of cultural relevance and basking in their success. In 2014, Daft Punk fans had nothing to worry about, nor any reason to suspect this was anything out of the ordinary. Over and over again, Tomas and Guimán had popped back uh, up after years of radio silence, an exciting new version of their iconic helmets obscuring their faces, to announce that Daft Punk was back and ready with a new project. Uh, that is half the allure and mystique of them as a band. In between projects, they go underground, enjoying the anonymity awarded by their robot disguises to live normal lives and pursue artistic passions until the allure of the Daft Punk project calls them back into the studio and they are ready to present a new thing to the world. It had been eight years between proper studio albums. Uh, of course, the world tour and the Tron soundtrack uh, had kept Daft Punk busy in between Human After All and Ram, but fans were ready and expecting a long break in communication from their favorite French robots until we got to hear what was next. Having worked on Random Access Memories for five meticulous years, Daft Punk must have had treasure troves of unfinished demos, synth lines, drum patterns, and songs just sitting in their hard drives collecting digital dust. A year and a half uh, after the release of the uh, of the record, Julian Casablancas, lead singer of The Strokes, let slip that he had recorded more material with Daft Punk than just the single Instant Crush. 
so he uh, uh, he had played a uh, he is in this side project called The Voids. I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar. Do you know The Voids? I'm not familiar with The Voids. I remember reading something or hearing something, but I don't. I yeah, don't know I, I'm familiar with the one aching void, the void in my heart. In all yeah, of us. Yeah, yeah, the blank, not that the big blank yeah. void <laughs> in the middle of my heart. Yeah. Um, no, uh, so after playing a side, uh, a show with his side project, The Voids, uh, it, it was at the Wiltern in Los Angeles. Casabrancas was surprised to learn that Tomas had showed up to catch the set. While the two of them caught up after the show, Casablanca said, I bothered him last night. I was like, that song, man, we got to put out that other song. Uh, he, uh, he told, um, he talked about it in an interview. He said, um, the song, it's cool. It's definitely one-tenth as populicious as Instant Crush. It's a song that goes four half-steps up, moving, and it's just that uh, that on a cycle, on repeat, and it's super bizarre and sounds like jazz, like modern jazz. It's weird. It's weirder than any other song on the record that I know of. Uh, that unnamed, unreleased demo has never seen the light of day. So there's, there's another Daft Punk Julian Casablanca song out there that Julian Casablanca himself thinks is very weird, and I wish I could hear that. I, what would that even be? That would be cool. It would be, it would be cool to hear some of the things that were too weird for Ram. Because like, yeah. there's some stuff on Ram that is aggressively weird. <laughs> yeah, there's some very proggy stuff, but yeah. there's a lot of poppy stuff, and I guarantee there's a lot of like prog stuff that they did not yeah. put on the album. Yeah, I mean, it's we've talked about it, but any of the recordings and the demos and stuff like that, it would be amazing. They to they see. are they are so protective of the brand of daft punk yeah. that they will never put out a demo right set thing but there are like prince did it right where he put that huge box set together out that was all like unreleased tracks and demos and yeah and experimentation stuff and yeah i mean you normally don't get that until like the waning years of somebody's career or yeah whatever, you know so like i don't know i don't know i don't think they i don't, I don't I think don't, they'll ever do it because no. in, in their like there are fans of bands that have put things out like that. There are some people that are like, this kind of dilutes the the stuff that we have gotten from them because yeah. it's all shittier versions of things that I really like. Yeah, I mean um, it's it's like I, I always, especially on Spotify, like when I'm like downloading a, an album or something, or I'm I'm favoriting an album, and I'm always like, oh, the deluxe edition, that's a really cool thing. But the deluxe edition always just has like six songs that aren't the album yeah. or whatever tacked on the end of it. That are the like, only one. The only one that I really appreciated was the blue album deluxe edition when that came out because it had all of that weird stuff that they released before the blue album, like. Suzanne and the Jamie song yeah. and all those that are actually in the um uh jo my name is Jonas yeah. like all that shit then those are all some really great tracks and they were all complete they just never got put on an album um but then it also had like a early version of the sweater song that absolutely yeah. sucks shit See, <laughs> like, yeah. I like I like demos a lot yeah sometimes it like captures the energy of the song that you lose when you polish the studio recording sure. too much I, I, it doesn't matter for an album like Rumors because it sold you know fifty million fucking copies or hundred million copies, but like the Rumors Deluxe Edition on Spotify has forty songs on it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I think of like like one 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 of the ones that jumps out at me, you know, from the probably like like um, Fall Choice FCPS ITS yeah. GEP whatever, yeah. uh, and then FCP Remix. Like I I love both yeah. of those songs separately, you know, and they're yeah. they're very similar songs. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's technically a demo and a remix or whatever, but I uh, yeah I I would desperately love to hear 
uh, like a, a unreleased demos box set yeah. thing from Daft Punk, I understand that they that's something that they would never be interested in doing. Yeah. Because of how protective they well, are. Well, and also I think them, one but. of the things that we, you know, like we talk, especially like with Discovery, right, or Ram, yeah. uh, specifically, we talk about how the thing that we, we, you know, that makes it so well done is the precision, and you know, you and, can hear the yeah. amount of time. And we, weirdly, we have heard some some unreleased Ram stuff. We're gonna get to that in a little bit. Okay. Uh, um, in these years, uh, Tomas and Gimon were a little less protective of the music that they had already released into the world. Uh, there's a guy named Sven Hansen Love. Uh, he, he co-wrote a movie with his younger sister, Mia, who directed it. Uh, it was a coming-of-age tale about Sven's life as a young artist in Paris during the French Touch explosion. So it's a movie that's semi-autobiographical. And he wrote a scene based on a real house party att he attended in Paris where two scrawny punks DJed and blew everyone away with a new crispy tune called Defunk. Yeah, Have they, you seen the clip of this movie? I, I actually, uh, I, I was talking, I, I feel like I thought it was both of you, but maybe it was, was just talking, Evan yeah. I was talking to about it. They're actually characters in the movie yes. and they signed off on three songs to be so used I, in yeah, the movie. Yeah, we're getting in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's, it's a movie called Eden. Uh, it's about Sven's life. Mia directed it. Uh, and there's, there's, I've never seen the whole movie. I've it's just seen the party scene. It's a movie about his life and his younger sister directed it? Yeah. What would it mean if Danielle directed a movie about I don't my life? Know. I, I don't, don't know what to know. think about that. I don't know. <laughs> Either something very good or something yeah. very yeah. bad. Well, I don't Danielle, know. Danielle's not listening, but that would be very weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my sister directed a movie about my life. I think that uh, I think that in the reading like the synopsis, like that the through line yeah. is they're friends and he starts at the same place yeah. as that. So the, the, and, the, the know, they're Daft not Punk's they're not famous. major they're not major play like characters no. in it. They he goes to a house party. And there's two, like, uh, no oh, well, pun intended. <laughs> a house party. Uh, the indie film titled Eden was made on a shoestring budget. Tomas, who has kept in touch with Sven through the years, they're still buddies, was one of the first people to read the script. And he loved the idea uh, of a movie about the birth of the French dance music scene and agreed to license three Daft Punk songs to the film for a paltry $3,700 a piece, which... Uh, they the filmmakers talked about it. It opened the film to all sorts of other real music from the era because, uh, as the filmmakers told the Hollywood Reporter, no one wants to charge more than Daft Punk. Like that would right. look really weird. Yeah. So like Daft uh, Tomas doing that. Like now there's like Frankie Knuckles tracks in there. There's all sorts of. Yeah. There's all sorts of. Um, I should just get that that soundtrack. It sounds great. Yeah. Uh, Tomas and Guimán also gave their blessing to be portrayed in the film, and they and there they are, played by two look-alike young actors. In it, Tomas is like lording over the decks, and Guimán is kind of nonchalantly smoking a cigarette. It looks perfect. They nailed it. Yeah, it, it's really funny. Uh, said Mia, the one thing Tomas cared about was he wanted to appear as a human being in the film and not as some image or idol. And yeah, it looks it looks cool. There's like people like like French teenagers in the film, like smoking cigarettes and they're like, what is this? And some kids like, it's the new disco. <laughs> it's like, that's incredible. Yeah. You know what that makes me think about last week, you know, talking about, um, Giorgio by Marauder doing the like, uh, audio biography mm -hmm. and them thinking it's a good idea to make a thing about the French touch. Yeah. Scene. They like the idea of, of, people collecting the history yeah. of some of these things. Well, we, uh, you know, sometimes I, I wonder if they would be interested in what we're doing here or if they would not be. Yeah. But we are interested in telling the story of yeah, this kind I think of music. That, I think that they are. Well, so we talked about it a little bit last week. There's all sorts of romanticizing 
about certain kinds of music like rock and roll gets yeah. the the birth of rock and roll and its influence on culture gets romanticized so much uh the blues in here yeah. in america gets romanticized about about uh, a lot and it gets important in pop culture the same isn't really said about disco and, and house music and dance music. Like there, yeah. there, there are some movies about it. Yeah, but there's there's not the romanticism and the in the historical significance, yeah. right? It's not a thing where people are like writing books. I don't know. There's some good. There are, disc, there are but some it, good it is disco not books at the level. Yeah, of this but other it's stuff. not it's not seen as this like important cultural significance thing like the birth of rock and roll. And I think you are right that there that here in the their last. They're like, you know, last 10 years as a group or whatever. Yeah. They have shown an interest in in uh, cultural touchstone things that can cement the legacy of dance and yeah. dance and disco in a way that they it deserves, quite frankly. Even yeah. if they aren't going to be interviewed for it or put their words on it, they yeah. are interested in supporting that. Yeah. You know, like this is an instance where it's like, this is very cool. Here's yeah. our music and you can use, but in a way, and yeah, in a way like, like what they did with Giorgio and what they, this movie did. We are, we, the three of us are celebrating the history of this music and its importance in pop yeah. culture. And I do, I would like to think that they would appreciate what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, it's, and if you're listening guys and you don't, yeah. Tell us. If you're listening, why haven't you reached out yet? <laughs> We won't tell anyone. We, we I promise anyone. you, we won't tell anyone. I if you're listening, anybody. we'll tell nobody that you you reach out to us. No, I won't tell anybody. Not any We've gotten to the person. point of the run of the show where we're doing pleading. Pleading live Tomas, on the show. Tomas, 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 if you're out there, all I want, all I would like is for you to come hang out in the Vibe Dead for one night. Just one night. <laughs> one night coming out in the Vibe Dead. Oh my God. I won't even play any You can pick music. all the music. Yeah, you really, can pick all the music. Come to my house. All I want, Tomas, or I wish you could see you. You are lit just half of your face from that light <laughs> you're like all hey. i want Tomas, Kimon, doesn't even have to be both of you it could just be one of you all i want is for you to come hang out i'll cook you dinner i don't sign off on this that's between <laughs> andy I'll and his you gods dinner. you can be my cats we can hang out i wouldn't even ask you that much about like i won't like i won't ask you nerdy questions or anything yeah. we can just hang out we'll get into like we'll get into the look back on the 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 look back episode next week or whatever but i think it is like I'll, I'll say right now, one of the things that I'm really realizing with this journey is the amount of things that I learn that are not uh, specific to electronic music, yeah. that are yeah. just music things, history things. Yeah. And I think that that's, to your point, one of the things that I really like about this is how all of this stuff, you know, you know, it, it's all... You know, it all branches from somewhere, you know, pre yeah. even pre-disco, pre-whatever. Pre I mean, it's it's all... Uh, we talk about intentionality. We talk about learning and, and executing. But I think that that's the thing that's really cool for me. Like I, I, I realized today, you know, not today, but like even today I was working on, you know, I was, I was practicing a little DJ set thing. And it's like, you know, I, I've stopped looking for cool electronic songs to DJ. Right. I'm, yeah. I, I now I'm like, it doesn't have I don't need to be caged yeah. by that or whatever. Um, and. And I don't know. I, yeah. I, there's a lot of thoughts there, and we'll get into it next week. But I do think that the the film thing's very cool. Yeah, well, that's not the only work on uh, on film the boys, or at least one of the boys, did in the post-Ram years. What? I know, right? Shocking. Shocking. A friend of Guimond's directed an Al Algerian film called Gates of the Sun, starring Mike Tyson. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alger uh, Algerian language film starring Mike Tyson. I don't know what that means or what that could possibly look like. I've never seen it. Uh, I... I'm fascinated. 
uh, Guimon and Eric Chedevier, a.k.a. Rico the Wizard, teamed up for the first time since their Cry to More days to reignite the the nightclub brand and uh, make a cut for the soundtrack. Rico said... Gimon has made uh, music in this film. Initially, uh, it was going to be for a fight scene with Mike Tyson, but now it's a final scene inside a club. Uh, the whole track is not going to be longer than two minutes, I think. At least 80% of the soundtrack was made by two composers, uh, Matteo, Patrick, and Jean-Jacques Ipino. So they literally just put together like two uh, two minutes of um, music for the uh, uh, for the track. And I have a little bit of it here, right here. This is Fight by Le Nightclub. So that's officially the last thing the nightclub ever put out together. The uh, last, cool. the last song my band put out was for this uh, Mike oh. Tyson fighting and this. He speaks Arabic in this movie. And he, he's, <laughs> we wrote a song for it. Yeah, oh yeah, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. This my uh, Algerian buddy of mine's making a. a yeah, he wants for, Mike Tyson to fight someone, and he he wants me to make the song. A, a moody, a moody, <laughs> dancey track for it. Yeah, uh, I think that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah it's very that's cool. a cool track. Yeah, I, 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 I never. Even I, I was not aware that it existed. Yeah, so that I think that track specifically is why some people point at and like Crydemore is not dead. They put something out in in like 2014, but before that, the last thing that they had ever put out was in like 2004, and it's one song for a buddy's a buddy's yeah. Uh, um, I mean, in like movie. So yeah, the, the yeah. idea that like something is if you don't say it's over you can just do something yeah. as the crew. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's the whole yeah. point of this podcast. People always like view the, their projects as like active or dead. It's just like, yeah, yeah I don't know what we'll write yeah. a song for something sometimes. What yeah. It's not like, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think it's cool that like, uh, it wasn't a Gimon thing. It was like, yeah, when, like yeah. Eric and I are hanging out, we'll do a little nightclub thing. Why not? Who cares? Yeah. It's been a decade since we put anything out together. Why not? Um, so the, they also allowed their actual likenesses as in Tomas and Guimon without robot regalia to be used by artist Xavier Valhan for his series of life-size 3d printed statues called the producers. Have you seen these? I have not. Uh, uh, I've got a, I've got some photos of it. We'll put them on our Instagram and stuff. It's pretty crazy that they're, this is like, this is the initial, initial print of them. They're like wood grain sculptures of the boys. Very um, weird. Yeah, very weird. And then they, they have glasses on the glasses. Big glasses like, on. Yeah. Then they he painted them. Oh, that's very cool. They look like yeah. That's why, man. Can you imagine pl- being like I played the synthesizer well enough that someone made a statue of me? <laughs> I know. <laughs> really right? So the pr- it's a, kind of a cool series. He's like, I'm much, I'm more interested in the people behind the scenes of the music industry. So it's it's them. It's like Rick Ross. It's like a bunch of like it's a bunch of. Beat Rick makers. Rubin. Rick Rubin. That's what I mean. Rick Rubin. Just, yeah. Uh, he would um, make a good statue because he's got that gigantic beard. Yeah. Yeah. He the in the interview the guy was like the hardest part of this whole thing was it Rick Rubin's be. beard. It was so difficult to. Grab when they the make beard. like video games and stuff, they're like, like yeah, we had to spend like a team of sixty people to do the hair. Yeah. In it. Yeah. 
I can't imagine sculpting Rick Rubin's beard. Velhine said, I propose to introduce them as producers, not musicians. And so after talking to them, we decided that they should appear with their civilian names. They proposed to me, okay, we should make the sculpture the non-existing image of us. So if somebody wants to see how we are in real life, they can just look at the sculpture. Great. And that's it's out there. Or you could just exist in the world. But yeah, no, the yeah. sculpture's yeah. will too or whatever. Yeah, they do. I mean, they do exist in the world. <laughs> right, they're right, out there right, somewhere. Yeah. You know. Yeah, <laughs> the sculptures. In, as sculptures. In they're, they're, they're walking around Los Angeles as like two normal fucking guys getting yeah. coffee or whatever because yeah, they're, they're allowed to. They're hamburger right now or whatever. Yeah. Tomas and Kiman. they're allowed to. They're allowed to. Well, that was that, was that one part in the Daft Punk Unchained documentary where – Pharrell is like swamped. They show him get swamped trying to get to his limo and he's swamped yeah. over here. And he's like, and then he's in his hotel room alone with the camera and like looking out down the street. And he's like, they really, they really gave themselves some sort of freedom. Like I can't live on, I can't live a normal life. I can't go to, I can't. Maybe you I, don't wear such a recognizable hat. <laughs> yeah. You should, yeah. Get a smaller hat. Get a smaller hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People leave. <laughs> Look at how big that hat! That's got to be somebody important. Look That's at that hat! Hey, look at his head. It's huge. <laughs> no normal person wears a hat that hat, big. Dude. That's got to be somebody important. Oh my god, it's for no real. Could hold a job. I mean, he could start wearing a wolf mask or something, and nobody would know it was him. They would think yeah. that he's just he, a crazy if, man. What if Pharrell was the Ann Arbor Wolf Man? Right. That's what I'm saying. Like he could do that. He could the Ann Arbor Wolf Man. The Ann Arbor Wolf Man got booked and played at South by Southwest a couple years ago. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? No. There's a guy this is, in Ann Arbor. This is scrawny little street guy who wears a, a werewolf mask and plays violin for for money on the street. Street performer. And he got booked and played a show that's at cool. South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. Like that's crazy. Good for him. If you're out Good there and him. you're the wolf guy from Ann email Arbor, us. email us. Yeah. I used to see this band. He's Ann Arbor's Daft Punk. He is. <laughs> I used to see this band play in the park and in the subway in New York, and then I saw them open for a group I like at the Majestic, like two years later. Whoa. That's cool. It can happen. It can happen for anybody. You can be the wolf head guy or yeah, whatever. You do it. <laughs> do it. Wolf has gotten you idiot. Um, I I I moved away. <laughs> what are you We're doing? Just berating our audience today. <laughs> That's not directed at anyone. We're, We're extra, except for the person are, I am specifically talking to. And if you're listening, you know who it idiot. is. We're extra extra mean today <laughs> for know. some reason. I think we're so sad that it's almost I know. over. I Don't know. cry because it's almost over. Laugh because it happened. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like Megan Stalter. <laughs> Shout out Megan Stalter. If you're listening, email us at I guarantee Megan Stalter's not listening to this. But, what but if you, you are, if you are, um, if you are, Hex is great. You're in, you've been crushing it. Uh, Tomas and Gimon also became visible partners and champions for Jay Z's artist-driven streaming ser- service title. Appearing in promotional material at a boardroom table in full robot costumes alongside other big name musicians like Arcade Fire, Madonna, Kanye West, Jack White, Coldplay, and more. Have you seen those those clips that they yeah. the title? Yep. So they made these like big, like big uh, announcement videos, and it's like like all these musicians are having a business meeting, and there's there's all these important music people, and then all of a sudden there's just. <laughs> The fucking robots. It's it's really funny that they're just there in the full thing. Uh, um, this is the this is Tomas's highlight in the uh, the title promo videos. We're looking at the seventies and artists were the icons, and now the iconic elements are tech companies that think artists are products. Artists are not products. If there's this idea of coming together and really emphasizing on that, you know, it becomes like a crazy uh, the Avengers of music or something. All right, so 
that is one oh, of the most boy. Tomas things I've ever heard. Um, uh, he talks about the importance of um, 70s music industry culture. He talks about um, uh, he, like an anti in, uh, anti-corporation stance. He he makes a comic book reference like in 18 seconds. You don't get much, much more Tomas he, than so that. I, I, they, they fit in the title thing. Absolutely. Title's, title's big thing was streaming higher Absolutely. quality and providing higher quality audio at this. What is this like 2014? Uh, yeah. So at this time, too, like, remember, I, I, I do love the White Stripes. I still love the White Stripes. So Jack White was involved in that. Um, so I, I was following title yeah. stuff. I was on board with title at the beginning of it. It was a cool thing. Uh, I think they all sense have like Jay Z sold it, right? I don't know. Yeah. I, I Jay Z sold it relatively recently, I think. I bought it. You bought it. <laughs> yeah, you bought I, all bought the it. I bought yeah, title. I bought it. Good for you, man. I was. I thought I was investing in waves, but yeah, it's a streaming really, service. Yeah, I thought I was up. buying the concept of tidal waves. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm in the hole pretty bad for that. It actually sucks. I'm fucked. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it was a big. Fucking sucks. Fucking sucks. I bought, I bought streaming service. I bought, a, I bought Jamie's streaming service. They like, I put it on my sucks. credit card in the room. My mom is so pissed. 22% interest on all $100 million. And I'm fucked. My mom's so pissed. I put $1.8 billion on my mom's credit card. The dumbest bit we've ever done on this show. Uh, I put $1.8 billion on my mom's credit card to my title. Fucking pissed. I gotta get the mail before she gets to it every day so she doesn't look at the please bill. Please subscribe to Title to help me <laughs> dig out of this hole. If you're out there, please subscribe to Title. I bet my, really my mom two billion dollars. I bet my mom two billion dollars. Oh fuck! Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't. Oh jeez. Oh man. Uh, so Daft Punk statues, Daft Punk movies, streaming partnerships. These projects were neat, but at the end of the day, only passively involved their favorite French robots. Tomas and Guimond were also working on music at this time. I'll be it at the behest of other artists. Jesus. Jesus. Released just one month after Random Access Memories, which I I re- did not remember how quickly that came out after. So this was just like Daft Punk, Daft Punk, Daft Punk, Daft Punk. Yeah. It was a big deal that they had produced uh, uh, a full like quarter of this record, uh, and it was you know so. Um, well, uh, Yeezus released just one month after Random Access Memories was Kanye West's follow up response uh, in his response to the opulence of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. It is raw, it's stripped down, and it's inspired by Chicago house music. What did people like Yeezus when it came I, out? People when it liked came music out, when it when it came out. When it came when Yeezus came out, it got um so one of the things is is it's a follow up to Dark Twisted yeah. Fantasy, which is a very long album that features a, a, a bunch of people. Yeah. Um Yeezus, very short compared and, and yeah. it and it features almost nobody. And people I don't loved, realize I that. I loved that record. I when loved it, came it, out. it got that it got an early review. I think it was Pitchfork or somebody that, that compared it to Nine Inch Nails, like it's abrasive the first yeah. time you hear it in the it way was that, that makes yeah. that makes perfect sense. That's a good comparison. It was. It really was a good but it it got I think that, that is the, the that that's the review that rose to the top early on. Yeah. So people gave it a second listen because gotcha. of that. Um and it it is I mean it's it's a great record. It's not it. Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's not Eight Oids and Heartbreak. It's not early Kanye at all. It's it's, it's definitely a next different. chapter, and it's my something beautiful different. Dark Twisted Fantasy is not my favorite Kanye record. So See, I liked it. There's stuff on it I like. Yeah, but I was I liked it. For me, 
I that's still I I don't know. I I loved Kanye so much before the Kanye stuff, yeah. right? Ka- Tomas Tomas was like, "Yeah, recording with him was crazy." Like, yeah. he's really raw in this. He was like, he was just screaming into the microphone. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah you can hear that there cuz yeah, this absolutely. this record goes places. Yeah, he's a he's a crazy person. Uh, and yeah. it's like, you know, for a while, it's, he's one of those people that it's like I don't think that the character of Kanye that we see is actually a character. I think he's just a crazy person. Correct. Remember um, when they did Watch the Throne and they came to Detroit and played in Paris 11 times straight? Yes. 12 what? times straight? Yeah. They played the song in Paris, like him and Jay-Z's song. Yeah. Um, they played it like 12 times in a row in Why? Detroit at the Palace. Because it was, it was a bop that year. And, that, and they, everybody <laughs> was, was on board with that? I get uh, They were... Apparently Kanye was on board. Uh, Whoa, oh. Kanye doesn't like the, he. He. I think he is. I would not be happy if I paid that much money to go to a concert. And I they could paid. vibe to that. <laughs> I, I could really like that. I don't too. know. I so like like I've never seen Kanye live, but I've I seen Jay Z live, and Jay Z I, I will still say is one of the best live shows I've ever seen. I saw I, him three times in one summer. Uh, you, did you come to it. New York and see that? I saw it you in saw Detroit. It I saw yeah. it in Detroit. I saw him solo and I saw him at Bonnaroo. I saw Kanye. I saw him, so I saw him three times. I saw Kanye year. in like 2008. Uh, um, at, like he was like really big, but not like the world's biggest yeah. rapper yet. Uh, but he like, he went, he paused. It was before people knew he was like maybe yeah. uh, crazy. I mean, <laughs> he, pa- he probably, paused in the I mean, middle of his set and he was like, he, for like 15 minutes, he was, he went on this rant about how, important he was and he would yell he was yelling yeah. things like your grandkids are gonna know my name it's like all right He's just right. Play, play your next song yeah, Jason and i have the same birthday and one of the first congratulations thanks one of the first humor pieces i wrote for the college newspaper at michigan state was just about all the joint parties we've thrown for <laughs> our birthday over the years that's great <laughs> that's funny uh said tomas we were the first people that Kanye came to. He really responded positively to those ideas we were throwing out to him. And then he ran with it and built the record, working with a lot of other producers and based on maybe some of the initial direction that we had laid out together. So Daft Punk ended up producing the album and co-writing four songs, Black Skinhead, On Sight, I Am God, and Send It Up. I Am A God, and Send It Up. So I'm sorry, Kanye. I didn't mean to imply that you... I didn't want to uh, imply that you thought you were the God. You were just... You were simply saying... Have you heard that song? I Am A God. Yeah. Yeah, because he he very much thinks he's a God. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, um, So Send It Up uh, is... Uh, Gesaffelstein also has a writing credit on that song. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, well, that's crazy. So that song was written by Kanye... Daft Punk and Gesaffelstein. I would bet. I would bet. I haven't. So I haven't visited. I haven't revisited that album. I would bet that right now, after plummeting headfirst into electronic music for a long time now, Mm -hmm. I would bet that probably that'll that album I I will like a lot more than I liked it initially. It's uh um. It is not dancey, but you can hear the the influence of Chicago house and industrial stuff. Yeah, it's cool. I you know I don't. It's one don't of my favorite it. Kanye records. It's it's a good Kanye record. It's cool. There's some interesting stuff on there. Uh, there's also some stuff that feels like alienating and <laughs> like weird. Yeah. It's it's not a you don't put it on very often. <laughs> no. Right. No. I I re, I listened to these four songs again in preparation for this. Um, and there there's some cool stuff on there. Some of the drum patterns used on these four songs were unused demos that were recorded in the random access memories. That makes sense. Uh, session. So I mean, if you have that, you know, yeah, if you but have, listen, what's his name? Okay, Hakeem, so is that one, his name? The one, yeah. If uh, you have hours one, and hours of, of The one I know for drums. sure that is Ram drums is Black Skinhead. Yeah. And 
like listening to those drums, I was trying to put, like put in context that it is wild to think that those drums came out of the same random access me- uh, memories sessions because it's like it's just night and day different stuff. So they just must have some crazy fucking crazy stuff in there i mean it seems like though the way that they described it they just like they played a thing and said play along with it now play you know and you know you had talked about how they would like mouth like yeah yeah so they were like they had all these ideas i'm sure that were you can play a million different things to the same line or whatever so i'm sure they just like walked through a bunch of crazy shit so let's hear a little bit of some of these this is on site Baby girl try and get a nut, and a girl try and give it up. Chop them both down, don't judge them Joe Brown. One last announcement, no sports ball, let's keep it bouncing. Everybody wanna live at the top of the mountain. Took her to the blue straw, sip the fountain. Wow. I lied. I know the lyrics, so I definitely spent <laughs> yeah, a lot of time yeah, with this. Yeah. Uh, immediately. No sports I just... bra. Let's get it bouncing. Yeah. I wow. mean, he's. <laughs> My brain was soupy that year. Yeah. This is, this is, this is in there. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Like, I can hear Daft Punk in there. Yeah. But uh, um, the, the stuff that we get into later that the other artists they work with, the Daft Punkiness of it all is way more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. They they introduced him to some ideas. He obviously knew what he wanted, and and they they pushed him in the right direction. I think yeah. of what he wanted to do. It's not like it's not like Kanye West did a Daft Punk song in the same way that maybe it is like that The Weeknd did a Daft Punk song. Yes, this was Daft Punk helping him get to something that he wanted to do. Yeah, and I, I think that like you know from the the get go on. Jesus, the mentality is much different than like the grooviness of of ram or whatever you yeah. know it's it's that abrasive side of of um industrial stuff or whatever that's clearly like like it's more a a a roll in a sketch or a rock and roll than it is a, mm-hmm. a ram song or whatever whereas like we'll get into the weekend stuff the weekend stuff clearly occupies a different space yeah uh here's send it up heart coded in the souls of men louboutin on the toes again Tight dress, desert close to him. Jesus just rose again. We can send this bitch up, it can go down. We can send this bitch up, it can go down. We can send this bitch up, it can go down. We can send this bitch up, it can go down. You can hear the guess Alphastein there. I yeah, think. you uh, can. That sounds like uh, with a viol or whatever. Via, is, how, is that how you say that? Song? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it sounds like right there. Yeah. Yeah. That weird break without like the dancey A rhythmic thing at the end is like, it's very cool, but I don't know what you do with that. You can't spin that. I don't know what you would do with that. No. <laughs> That's cool. But I'm going to spend more time. I'm going to go back and listen to you. Yeah. I, 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 I Nobody's like forcing you. I like both of those. So I, far. It's been, it's probably been since the year came out yeah you know i spent like i think i listened to it a ton right when it came out and yeah. then i just kind of yeah. like it, it's not as easy to go back to as like graduation or something like that you and know the, those I mean, songs are so upbeat and the arrangement of this is raw but also the like yeah the mixing of it's so raw that it's yeah yeah it, it's he was definitely very going ear for piercing a thing yeah uh, yeah he wanted that to be abrasive and it is yeah. Absolutely, and it's it's not abrasive in a, a way that like like metal can be abrasive, yeah. but very listenable. 
and the way this record is mixed yeah. is meant to make you want to turn it off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like the highs and the way yeah. it's like yeah. super distorted. I like I like it, but it's like something you have to listen to quietly. Yeah. It is so um it was uh, it was like a big th- deal that Daft Punk was working with Kanye, but they were not involved in the marketing or they're not in the videos. They're not in they don't do the vocorder voice. It would not be correct for this record that is all stripped down and the covers just a CDR to have these like expensive famous robot people. Yeah, which but uh, uh, it is almost the opposite strategy of how they are involved with this next project we're going to talk about. Uh, Abel Tesafe, known professionally as The Weeknd, is a proprietor of a different kind of groove than Daft Punk, but a celebrated groovesman nonetheless. I need to be considered a proprietor of a groove <laughs> I, I, I holy moly that's a good title i'm the proprietor was, of this groove thank you thank you i was that was i was a turn of phrase i came up with thank you uh the weekend's career began on the internet as so many careers nowadays do <laughs> uh gaining a steady following from songs that went viral on his soundcloud and youtube pages before he had played his first live show he had never posted a photo or a video of himself which he says uh, was inspired by the anonymity of our favorite french robots these guys are like you know our idols and, and idols so, you know most artists um their branding second to none really i mean I, it's just unreal no it's unbelievable you know um and we i was definitely inspired by that at the beginning of my career because nobody knew how i looked as well um it was because of you know daft punk and a lot of artists that like to be enigmatic and mysterious mm. and fans didn't really see how i looked until my first show so being able to work with them it felt like a bucket list so i, I really wanted to fight for that it's interesting to me to hear somebody like the weekend talk about their inspiration on his career not sonically or musically at all but look at how they branded themselves i wanted to do that like there are certain people that think that way yeah and it and they are i mean they're masters of you know controlling the message and in in building a story around themselves and imagery obviously uh well also unbeknownst to you but you've heard a snippet of that clip every week for the fat past 21 weeks because that him saying Daft Punk in that interview mm-hmm. is in the is in our theme song. Yeah, it is. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, after two smash hit records that made him a global force in the world of pop music, The Weeknd started to work on his third album. He had gotten interested in French dance music uh, at a certain point, and he connected with French electronic music producers Kavinsky and Gasafelstein. Through those two, he met and developed a friendship with our buddy Guimon. So, you know, me and Guimon, we know we've been to clubs together, we party together. So there's been a little bit of a relationship there. It wasn't just a random email like, hey, you want to work with us? Yeah. So it was. we were already comfortable to work with each other. God, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna be there. He clubbed with Gimon. Yeah, that's why. What does that, what does that what look does that, like? What does that, what does that, that look, look like? like? What the fuck does that mean? I, I don't know. What does it look like that the weekend and Gimon are at the club together? I, I, I truly really don't. I have know. no idea. Because the weekend, like. uh, he is how old is he? He was born in 1990. Yeah, so, so, he, so he, in 20, like, this time he would have like been 20, 21, 21, 22. 22. Gimon's. Well, into his forties. So the weekend's my age. I, I, yeah, I'm the dot. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And they are clubbing together, 
at some point between his Shit, second I'll and third. I'll club with anybody. I'll club <laughs> with anybody too. I would love to be there. The weekend. I, I also think it's funny that the weekend is so is focused on branding and how to showcase himself to the world. When he made the conscious decision to be a character in uh, Uncut Gems, and they they he let them use his real name and likeness. He plays the weekend in the movie, and he plays a disgusting pervert yeah. who has like sex in a dirty club bathroom. He's like doing cocaine. That's that. great, man. It's, really, it's like the it's weekend really funny. is being added to the Criterion Collection this fall. They're adding Uncut Gems. Wow, the weekends in the Criterion Collection for behaving that way and that rocks (laughs) they should put me in the criterion collection i've done not that behavior but adjacent behavior (laughs) i've done adjacent behavior (laughs) there's your ep title yeah adjacent Adjacent behavior behavior. that's a good name that is a good name nobody steal that Uh, we'll kill you (laughs) we'll kill you we will god i think it's so uh, it's so awesome that yeah, I met I met uh, this forty year old Frenchman through my buddy uh, who does dark techno, and um, we went clubbing together. <laughs> That's cool. Oh yeah. While working on the album, uh, the weekend got an invite from the bots to meet at their studio in Paris. I came into the session, and um, uh, Thomas and Guiman had already started a track, which was "I Feel Coming," which was just the the music, mm. and it was one of the tracks that they were playing for me. And I was, you know, freestyling over and trying to find a vibe with it. Um, so I started, we were writing it. I was writing the lyrics. So I feel it coming. And then probably finished it in about an hour. Went into the studio. Um, went into the booth. Started recording it. <laughs> um, you know, Guy-Man and Tomas were kind of directing me on, like, you know, how to make it. Because ve- they wanted it to sound as authentic mm. as possible. Mm. As retro as possible. Mm. It, it always sh- – because they, they – they, like, Get Lucky took them 18 months to complete. Yeah. And who knows how long they spent on the beat of that. And he's like, yeah, it took me, like, an hour. I mean, that could have – I mean, that 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 very well could have been something that was a holdover from Ram the Music on yeah. that. That they liked but they never, yeah, I, the Yeah, I've never – I mean, I've very never well heard any be. of them talk about it, where it came from, what like, what sessions it, it was born out of. It does not sound anything like any Ram stuff. It sounds – it sounds like they were like, "Oh, th- like this guy's this guy's a big pop star. We can make him." But a it big does pop sound like song. it sounds like a Michael Jackson song, right? It, yes. it does. So that is a point I wanted to make about who they chose to work with around this time. Uh, they are obviously in the post Ram years. They are obviously still ob- obsessed with hearkening back to the seventies and eighties. They, I think that they looked at the weekend and were like, "He is the next Michael Jackson, yeah. and we could help him get there." Yeah, uh, I, I do not think it is uh, an accident uh, or you know just a happenstance that they worked with this guy who could be, who could elevate the art of pop music. Uh, in a way, you know, uh, they said no to Madonna and Janet Jackson. Yeah, that's crazy because like, yeah. When I think of '80s pop music, I think of Michael Jackson and Madonna. But in that, that was them on their come up, right? Yeah. At, who stars of the day approached them? Right. This is them in their 40s saying, "Like, but, yeah, we have done this. Can we help the weekend become? Because if the if the weekend keeps growing and keeps, not only is you know he is this huge pop star, but he is also." 
a step apart from other pop music that's happening right now, right? Like he makes stuff that's weird and interesting and a little Michael Jacksonian. Uh, <laughs> God, you can't just make up words. Why not? <laughs> Somebody did. Somebody made them all. I, up. I have a pet peeve of adding the uh, suffix x uh, esque to things. Okay, that is. So you had that is not as fun. Michael Jackson esque is not nearly as fun to it's as definitely to say, more proper as to. I, I don't <laughs> think it is. <laughs> you, I, I don't think it is. You, uh, it's more, way more fun to say Michael Jacksonian. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, um, I yeah, I think that they were like, yeah, we could. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think it's an accident that that they that they worked with somebody like this that could. Or it really is just like, you know, it's someone they get along with and they have a relationship with. And it's like, yeah, let's work together. Yeah. You know, you go out and you hang out and you catch a vibe. And it's like, yeah, let, yeah, we all do this. Let's do, let's make a song together. That too, Very cool. That too, uh, that too. Uh, I feel coming was an enormous hit. It sold more than four million copies in the U.S. alone. In a review in Rolling Stone magazine, it was hailed as a gem of Ibiza disco love, and they compared an uncut gem, an uncut gem of Ibiza, Ibiza disco love. love, and it was compared favorably to Get Lucky. Here's I feel it coming. talks about that being that the Daft Punk voice, but the more I listen to it, I think that that is the vocoder on The Weeknd. Could be. I don't know. I don't it know. could be. It sounds like him. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I was I was listening closely to the drums on that to try to formulate an opinion if, Where it if, came it's, from. if it's a Ram holdover. I, I think it could be. I, yeah. I really do. Listening to the, the drums and like... I don't think they're going to they're gonna go back to, to using drum machines after that Right, either. but no, no. I'm just saying like... like I, it does feel like it's of the era they were going for in Ram. It this does also, seem like something that so this would is also fit on like the, three years after, three or four years after their album came out, though, too. Right. So you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but if we know that they have something with, you know, they they have other stuff they worked on with Julian Casablancas. We know that they were trying to work yeah. with Stevie Wonder, right? Yeah. And that never worked out. So they probably had stuff prepared for that in some way, shape, yeah. or form. So there's probably some stuff that it they could liked. Be. It could. That we, just didn't I know, fit, or a, they didn't get a, the collaborator or whatever. There's a million things from the Ram yeah. sessions. It very well could be. But this is also years later, so it could be. A, uh, yeah. I, I, I don't I, know. There's I know, no, know that if I, know. if I if I got a session drummer and recorded, you know a three days worth of like real time or whatever. And I had these things, I would use them for my drums forever. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So who knows? What does it mean to be a Ram holdover? You know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's a good track. It is. I, I like that track a lot. It's not, um, it does not occupy the same space as a lot of, uh, as m the vast majority of the stuff I like of Daft Punk's though. Um, it, it is yeah. a different, it yeah. is a different, you type can hear way more than the Kanye stuff. You can hear Daft Punk in here though. Yeah, because it does. It, it has that, like they said, and the, and that, the, the, the disco, -y the, the disco -y stuff, um, the vocorder, uh, the, the video that they, they don't even have any. Well, so Victor Wu, the guy that they're one of their art designers did the video 
and it starts with the same like special presentation like 70s thing as all the homework or the all the human after all videos did mm-hmm. so there's all sorts of um just like daft punk influence going on here um the original plan was for the weekend and daft punk to do one song together but there was a little bit of magic happening in that studio yeah while i'm recording the record through the talkback i can hear some sort of feedback some sort of uh um, drum loop every time you know Tomas yeah. is like okay yeah. next take so I'm like what the f- is that what is that sound yeah so I walk in and it's Gilman on his phone or on his laptop or something and it's the drums of of Star which is like I'm like what is that he's like no it's just something on my phone I'm like put that shit on the fucking speakers let me hear that and it's just this crazy, monstrous loop. So I put, I feel like, coming to the side. I'm like, I'm writing this. Literally mm-hmm. wrote. Straight away. Stra- yeah, Starboy. That's awesome. That is very cool. It, it's, I love I love his impression of Gilman. I don't know. It's just something yeah. on my computer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's exactly how Cisco wrote the Thong song. Yeah. Which is what, like, it, he goes to these producers yeah. and they, like, play this clip. And he's like, no, 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 wait. Wait. We'll play that. I'm going to write that song. We... Devin and I both watched a mini documentary about the making of the thong song today. Yeah, it was great. And the two guys that wrote the music to that had specially made that track to to give to Michael Jackson to try to get uh, Michael Jackson to uh, buy one of their songs. And they accidentally put it in a group of demos for Cisco. And he wouldn't leave it alone after he heard it. And he, and he like, turned it into a gigantic ode to Ode to underwear. <laughs> and Cisco's very cool. Yeah. It was a really fun video. But yeah, so... He's in the studio. It's very so. I that is such a funny visual of the guys, and it makes so much sense after everything we've learned about them. That Tomas is sitting at the soundboard trying to get the weekend song perfect, and Gimon is sitting in the corner with his laptop out or whatever and playing a drum pattern from a different song (laughs) that the weekend can hear in his head, his monitors. That's really funny. That's very funny. So, um. Uh, yeah, uh, the weekend claims he freestyled over the track on Gimon's phone, uh, in less than a half hour. He saved the unfinished product on his phone and showed it to his team when he returned to Canada. Uh, he said the people flipped is he out. Canadian? Yeah. I didn't Canadian. know that. Yep. He's Canadian. Uh, he is Canadian. Um, uh, he said, uh, everybody on, on his team like flipped out when they heard it. He was just like, this is a fun thing we did. Uh, um, it wasn't until that moment that he knew he had something truly special on his hands. And eventually, it winds up being like the title of the whole record. His al- yeah. his third album is Starboy. It's the lead single, uh, um, and it was just something that he freestyled over in a half an hour. Uh, like it was an accident, basically. The whole song was an accident. This is a clip of Starboy. That's a that's a mover. That track gets me Can't going. Can't believe that he came up with all that in only a half hour. <laughs> Imagine what it would be like if I said like, "Yeah, I wrote a song. I'm a fucking star, I'm boy. A fucking star boy. I'm the, a motherfucking the, star boy." Devin, that's actually very cool the, that you're saying that. that. Devin, you, wow, like, it's very cool that you. I I always looked at you more of a star man, but now that you're saying it, <laughs> I'm a motherfucking star boy. <laughs> now that you're saying I, it, so I I, I so, of those two tracks, I prefer 
I feel it coming. Oh, really? Heavily over uh, I, Star Wars. I, uh, opposite. I this uh, this one gets me going. I the love drums this one. Rip the on drums. Oh, the drums are great. This. I mean, it's a good track. I, I just I like yeah. the I like the the retro feel. When he feel gets going, the of, verses the verses are incredible. Yeah. I love the. Oh, it's a great song. Of, it's, yeah. a, it's a great song. I just I like the the the, I, the feel of the. I other forgot one. one one uh, factoid about these tracks uh, that I think maybe point to these not being Ram related at all is that Rico the Wizard has co-writing credit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Re- right. Rico was involved in some way. So I'm starting to think that I yeah, I, I, I don't know one way or the other. I don't think we'll ever know. But Rico is Rico was involved as well. So, um, yeah. Interesting. I forgot that. Um, uh, Starboy, the Starboy music video has almost 2 billion plays on YouTube. Uh, it was in the top five of the Billboard Hot 100 in its second week of release, uh, which is really, that's really fast. Uh, yeah. if you're, if you don't know, that's, that's really fast. It went on to become Daft Punk's first ever number one single in the United States. First wow. Moment. Uh, the weekend won Best Urban Contemporary Album at that year's Grammys, and Daft Punk joined him for a performance, the third and, fi- third and final Grammy performance of their career. So, wow, well, uh, that that's was a, the the, the that's, medieval looking. That's the medieval outfits. Or the the, uh, the 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 uh, so Victor Wu made that painting portrait poster mm-hmm. of them with the um, Black Panther. Where they're in like the medieval garb with capes and shit. Yeah, that's all imagery from the Starboy video. Uh, he, he speeds off. Uh, th- that poster's in the video, and then he speeds off. Um, he like uh, he leaves the scene of a crime, uh, basically, uh, and a little black cat gets in his in his Lamborghini, and as he speeds off, it grows into a black panther for yeah. some reason. Hell yeah. Uh, I like stuff like that. I like stuff like that. More cats should gr- keep growing like Clifford. Yeah, they should be like goldfish where they just grow to the size of whatever's going on. <laughs> if you got a big house, your cat grows really big. Yeah, uh, yeah. The bigger your house, the bigger yeah, your cat. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that is the weekend stuff. Um, that is watching the clips. I think that is the least compelling of their Grammy performances because they're, they're at like – Craftwork rigs like yeah. a skinny thing with just like a, a couple knobs and they're not doing a whole lot no, no. <laughs> uh at least in the kanye one they do have some sort of um uh approximation of their pyramid yeah yeah i don't know this is not the kind of thing you perform you know yeah. what i mean yes like for them on their end i don't know beat, yeah. yeah i mean but there's there's like... a reality of like again occupying the space of like a michael jackson performer it is the the solo performers yeah. you know that's the yeah. pop star but this is also right? there um that is also the last time that they were seen in public in the costumes yeah they never did it again that was right. it you know uh, in 2014, four kids graduated from high school in Byron Bay, Australia, a surf town known for being a bohemian haven. A year later, the kids who had been playing music together since they were 13 released an EP called Clock Scared as the Parcells. Uh, this is uh, one of their songs from that uh, self-released EP. This is called Another Clock. Huh. You're not fitting in. You're just kicking in doors I show a little remorse Now you're not wishing it There's no wishing it was So you don't listen no more I will wait for you When it's all been done But we're all too young 
I wonder what Daft Punk could have found intriguing about that. Yeah, yeah, that song, right? What's that track called? Another Clock. That that track rocks. Uh, it was from a cell. Yeah, uh, Clock Scared. Their like uh indie EP before they got signed. Um, that cool tune. That's a, yeah. That's but that's disco. You yeah. know, and they're like, but it's a like re- it's disco, but it's also composed like. Like modern electronic music yeah. too, and yeah, the way yes. that like the piano roll kind of comes out of the loop. That's yeah. a very cool track. Um, it's got like um, I want to say like and they're seventeen or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Yeah. it's like disco <laughs> if the avalanches were, di- were disco sure. or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's what that, I that get was out a of it. very cool track. Yeah, I really like yeah. That. Um, that was that. I think that's my favorite of the EP uh, that they put out. Uh, that EP, they have like three albums already yeah. by now. Um, but uh, there was something compelling about them. The Teenagers EP found its way to the right circles. They were signed by indie French label Kitsune, which we've mentioned on the show before. Uh, They were a major player in the French touch days, and they'd always been tangentially uh, related to our favorite French robots. Uh, They had, you know, people that worked at Daff Arts worked at Kitsune and and vice versa. They definitely know people at Kitsune. Uh, The band moved to Berlin and kept making music. In 2016... They played their first show in Paris, and it was at a bar called The Bane. So they they just they played a bar show, uh, and uh, re- uh, remembering uh, the show, uh, keyboardist Patrick Hetherington said, "There's this tiny, sweaty little club. At some stage, we heard uh, mur- or murmurs uh, of it before the show. The robots are coming, but we blew it off. Then after the show, we met them. Turns out they came, and they basically said, we like what you're doing.'" We'd like you to come to our studio and hang out. Oh yeah! Wow, that is very cool. <laughs> Tomas and Gimon saw these teenage disco nerds and were like, "Hey, man, come hang out." That rocks. Isn't that crazy? That's very that cool. Is. I, that's a, that's that's like a a, a story. Yeah, I would so read this, the whole thing. I would I would want to hear more of. I got more for you, baby. Oh, great, <laughs> I got cool. more for you. This this is what leads me to believe that. There was some like intention behind the weekend stuff, like they tapping yeah. into that that nostalgic yeah. Michael Jackson stuff, because they heard these teenagers doing like old time, like old throwback kind of vintage disco stuff, and they were like, "We should help them yeah, advance their that's career very too." Cool. Uh, so six months later, the band was in Daft Punk's personal Los Angeles studio. They flew out and hung out there. Said Hetherington, "Not once was it said, let's do a song together. We want to produce you, anything like that.'" We just came in and we sat down, and of course, uh, we were a little starstruck and nervous. At the meeting, Tomas and Gimon asked if they had any demos they wanted to play. After rifling through a few tracks, they played a demo called "Overnight." Said Hetherington, "That was when uh, that was the one that inspired them the most." They said, "Ah, that we can really imagine working on uh, that one with you guys." We started jamming with the track in their studio. Uh, so this is basically the opposite of how the the weekend recording studio yeah. uh, sessions went because they stayed up uh, they ended up staying in Los Angeles for a week, arriving at the studio around noon and working until four in the morning every day with Tomas and Kimon. They were like, I don't understand it. These guys don't seem to sleep. They don't seem to eat. Yeah. <laughs> they just, like they don't do anything but yeah. work on this stuff. Over the course of the next year, the Parcells had several studio sessions and countless meetings with Daft Punk, crafting uh, the perfect tune. Said Hetherington, 
everything with those two is extremely slow. I'll tell you that much. And it's all very unclear. There was never a point where we knew what we were doing with them, even up until finishing and releasing the song. It would be months in between any sort of communication and a lot of uncertainty surrounding it all. There were times where they didn't like the song and they would say, it's over, we're not doing it. And then we came back and we added something or work uh, worked on it and the inspiration was back and all rolling with this inspiration, which was untouchable. So that's that's crazy that's nuts that sounds chaotic yeah (laughs) in a way that i could not artistically handle that sounds Uh, like the devil wears prada it really does does. (laughs) yeah you get to work with your people but they're like i I can't talk to you for a few months actually right now (laughs) (laughs) no it's not good i'm done it's a really really interesting look into how these guys create because we know it takes them forever to like perfect tracks but we don't know what goes on in between those those spurts of uh, those chunks, chunks of spurts. spurts. You need to live with that stuff yeah. for a while sometimes. Yeah. It's like you can listen to I something you're working on 50 times and then the 50th time be like, yeah, you know what? It's it's this that's wrong. Or sometimes also it's, you know, it's an external thing that makes you think differently about it, too. Yeah. That just needs to happen outside of directly working on it yeah you know? absolutely so that's the other side of it yeah you, you and sometimes can't just muscle your way through the creative process i think, or I think there is right. a, a helpful thing and i think you're right when you're like i've put i put a bunch of work into this and i've gotten it to a point that is okay but i'm not happy with it what if i just forget about it for three months yeah. and don't even think what about it and, come and, back to yeah it. Uh, for a couple uh, of teenagers making new age disco working with tomas and Gimon was a life-changing experience said heatherington they're insane <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, the way they think about music is unlike anything I've ever seen before. It's funny. They don't overthink everything. It's not calculated or technically overthought, but it's definitely thought about. Working on the computer, that's where uh, that's not where the real magic comes from. The first thing is the songwriting and the simple essence of the song. Their whole mission is to get uh, the emotion out of everything, and that comes down to every note feeling right, being in the right register, and harmonically working. Overnight was released in June of 2017. Uh, after a year working on it, it's three and a half minutes long. Wow. The Parcells played uh, the song on Conan, uh, which was their debut uh, on American television. Let's hear a little clip. The minute I was thinking to hold you back, the moment I was wishing it's overnight. The minute I was thinking to hold you back, the moment I was wishing. It's overnight. It's overnight. That would not be out of place on random access memories. I mean, it, 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 it sounds like I feel it coming mixed with good luck. You know, yeah. you know, it, yeah. yeah, it's it's great. It's it. Uh, you can hear the influence. You can hear you can hear them trying to like help them zero in on that disco-y sound. Yeah. I really I really like that track. Um they uh it's it is the officially the last song produced and co-written by Daft Punk as a group. Yeah. Wild. Wild. Um huh. so this came out in 2017, the Parcells uh, debut album Parcells came out in 2018. They did not uh they did not put this on there. They thought that like the sessions with Daft Punk were its own thing, and it didn't kind of mesh with with uh, the way they were working with the rest of the album. They said it would have felt um, 
uh, what was the word they used uh, that it would have felt inauthentic to put yeah. it on the on the record. So I think that they just let it live as this like this is the thing we made with that punk. This is our stuff that we do. Um, so it, it, the the overnight is is just a single they released into the world. They never put it on any of their stuff. Wow. Um, I think that the Parcells stuff is could be uh, a key into what the the fellas might do in the future. Yeah, is like identifying Become Australian teenagers. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there, there's also an interesting thing too. Like, not to get too deep into speculation like well i'm going to a little bit but but the the image of of tomas trying to hone in the sound and keep on playing with a drum machine right or, or something like that you know like like there is probably a realization in working with these different artists since ram that maybe maybe you know there are things that have been branded as a daft punk thing that weren't you know, and they, maybe that's the realization that they've come to, and that if they yeah. are going to do these produce producing music music with people, yeah, why call it Daft Punk if it's really mostly a, a Tomas thing or mostly a Gimon yeah. thing for this other and, project? And just, yeah, I just I think in in terms of like identifying young young talent that could could yeah. advance their specific interests in music, right? If they're like if they are so focused on tapping back into the seventies and eighties. Maybe they can find some young people like the Parcells. Like, all right, these are like eighteen-year-olds. Let's help them get their sound towards this like seventies yeah. sheen. Right, and I don't know how much of a bubble I am in musically or whatever, but it sure feels like there's like a, a new groovy revolution going on right they, now. Uh, the Wikipedia page for disco has a huge section in it that says <clears throat> like twenty twenty revival or whatever. Yeah, Dua Lipa's record is. She's a gigantic fucking pop star. Yeah. And her she's got disco music. It's like there is a disco resurgence and the roller skating thing yeah. is gigantic right now. Right. So across so, the country. Across yeah. you, know, you know, that you know, people talk about Discovery twenty years later, how its influence is still being felt in pop music. Maybe, you know, in twenty years we'll talk about Ram the same way. I mean, I don't think, you know, Again, we're still in circles. Like, like escapades yeah. doesn't exist without Ram, right? It just doesn't. And, yeah. But that's the same circle. Yeah. Um, but I think that 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 um, that lens yeah. is more applicable than we think. Um, so over the next few years, a trickle of actual Daft Punk news slipped sporadically and randomly into the pop culture ether. In 2017, Tomas and Guimond constructed a pop-up shop in Los Angeles, half museum celebrating their career in aesthetic and half urban outfitters-like store selling their latest and turns out last generation of merchandise. It was really – I didn't – I was never able to see it. It was only in Los Angeles. Our buddy Caesar went, he yeah. said. Um, uh, but I, they did like a video walkthrough on their Facebook page so you could see it. It was really cool. Yeah, I bet it was. Um, uh, if you're out there, check it out. Um, uh, they have like four or five different full stand, uh, 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 versions of their outfits in different like, um, exhibits that are really cool. Um, they set up like their synthesizer and clear drums from, um, from, uh, uh, the Pharrell from, uh, um, What's the, the video? Lose she, yourself to from dance. The, yeah, from lose yourself to dance. They have a bunch of they have like a bunch of the masks they were during the homework era. Just a bunch of cool shit. It was like a Daft Punk museum. It was really cool. Well, it was a temporary thing. Yeah, it was like a week long. The yeah. denim from the Gap commercial. They had the denim from the Gap commercial. <laughs> the ruffles from when they were in the subway Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? They did have. They did, did they have, have the, the doll. 
the I didn't see the doll. We're going to get to what they did with the doll. They did have the the silver and gold um, uh, shiny jumpsuits that they wore for some of the Discovery stuff. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they had those in there. You know what? I'm going to pay myself a compliment Uh, because I didn't talk about this on on the podcast. I posted a picture of two safety pins that look like Daft Punk (laughs) in one of the Facebook groups, and everyone responded very kindly to that, and I thought that was incredibly funny. It was really funny because even the gold one is even shorter (laughs) than the silver one. It was perfect. Um, so that was uh, really cool. They also jumped on the social media bandwagon, officially licensing a short run Daft Punk Snapchat filter, where really? your face became one of the helmets. Oh, that's cool. That would, that was like a a short thing. That was also in 2017. In 2019, they participated in an exhibit at the Philharmonia de Perry, uh, celebrating the history of electronic music. Uh, they set up the technologic music video uh, um, oh, no. set. It was constructed at the exhibit alongside pieces from Kraftwerk, Chemical Brothers, and other acts in dance music history. So they just like they recreated it. This is from the exhibit. That oh wow, yeah, I wish I would have been able to see that. That sucks. I hate that little guy. <laughs> the little, <laughs> they could have done Chucky, anything, and they picked creepy. that little. They picked that little guy. There is. They love that creepy thing. They love him, and I love him too. You know what? Knowing how much they like the Phantom of the Paradise, which is an incredibly yeah. disturbing movie, that's, that makes sense. that's part of their... You know what w- w- specifically makes sense about their love of the Phantom of the Paradise is how upsetting that little robot's mouth is. Yes. That makes so much sense. Phoenix. They un- Phoenix. <laughs> they understand from loving that movie, they understand that upsetting mouth the stuff. Do we, mouth have, do we have a VHS copy of that? No. No, no we don't. Should we? One. I mean, we, we have to. That would, be a, that would be a rough one to watch up north if, we're, uh, if our minds have been altered in any specific yeah. way. <laughs> yeah, if I'm having a beer, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> if I'm ha- yeah, if I'm having one too many beers, I don't want to watch the Phantom of the Paradise. Good thing I got Santa doing can't stop the music. Um so they yeah, they popped up with these couple things, offshoot things around the world, and then nothing. 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 Tomasa Gimon never felt beholden to the mask they had created. They had uh, mentioned uh they had mentioned Super Bowl or Superman before. Clark Kent could not escape his royal blue tights and red cape, but when Tomas and Guiman wanted to step away from the robots, it was just that easy. They never had to put them on. They got to. That's the way they looked at it. Uh, and when they wanted to step away, they could. In lesser hands, the robot disguises could have been ridiculous, a cheap stunt that would have uh, been lost in the never-ending cycle of pop culture silliness. This is, uh, this is Paul Williams. You create a mystery with a mask. And the mystery is fascinating. Without the quality of art that they presented, it would have been a gimmick. But because they're Daft Punk, because the quality of what they present is at the level that it is, it's not a gimmick. It's something larger. And so I started immediately thinking of the great quotes, you know, like, you know, give a man a mask and he will tell you the truth. I think that, that the gifts of remaining anonymous have been have been huge for them beyond their art of course to have a private life to have families and be able to walk down walk and walk on the, the the beach or the the pier yeah i i don't know i i i agree with him but i i think one of the things that i've really learned is through all of this that the mask perpetuated them in a way that 
that was a tool to getting to the level that they're at yeah. as well as a, a mask yes, that, no, that hit there that that you know it made they're masters of branding it was good yes i mean it's good marketing and and i i get it i get everybody saying it's real, like all these famous people who want to be able to go to starbucks or whatever they like yeah. this or whatever but at the end of the day if daft punk didn't have the masks they wouldn't need the masks if that makes sense right yeah. I, uh, I, I truly I, think that yeah i, think, I, I, mean, I mean i think their music would speak for itself yeah, that, yes I, indefinitely but i think would they get grouped as a producer right uh, uh would, would we be as interested in the mythos of it all if the masks weren't there i don't think we would they're masters of branding uh, but uh like nobody else is com is committed to this kind of thing as other uh as right. daft punk right so like we all know what dead mouse looks like and yeah. he, he takes it off in the middle of the show and, and everything they they got they committed to this thing and they made it an aesthetic and they made a cool mystery around it uh, and they made it their thing. And yeah. It, it, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's the reason why Banksy's not just another street artist, right? It's the same thing. It's the yeah. anonymity. That's the only they're comparison the I can it's really. All, they're one guy. That's, they are actually are. But that's I, mean, Banksy I that think that's the only real the comparison I can come up with yeah. that, that yeah, makes absolutely. sense. And it, both of them are served by the anonymity yeah. as much as. You know, as I'm sure the anonymity, they're grateful for the ability to be anonymous or whatever. Yeah. Uh, with that punk, it wasn't a gimmick. It was almost the opposite because they let the music speak for itself. And yep. because what the music said for itself was so revolutionary, the robot costumes lent an air of timelessness and legend to the band. And in lieu of Tomas and Guimon making appearances in the public spotlight, rumors ran amok. Yep. Sure. Does anybody have a favorite Daft Punk rumor that they uh, remember over the years? Um, the rumor that Daft Punk is playing at my house. Yeah, the, that, was, that was a always big a rumor. rumor. That was yeah. a huge rumor. I got in a lot of trouble with my neighbors because they, they, all my neighbors bought into the rumor. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta show them the ropes. Uh, the live rumors persisted uh, at every level. Uh, so I, I, I bought hook, line, and sinker into one of them in 2014. I went to the Lollapalooza headlined by Phoenix. And that was all anybody was talking about that day was that it was happening. Daft Punk was there. People saw them. People saw like somebody's uncle was a promoter for the festival and they know that Tomas is there uh, and that they were going to do the encore with Phoenix at the end of their show. That did not happen. Nope. Uh, uh, there was a big rumor one year at Electric Forest that they were going to be at one of the um, – the RV after parties and a lot of people bought into that. You know that wook ass dumb. <laughs> I know. Could you even imagine Tomas and Gimon playing at four thirty in the morning? You know, on top of an they RV. They hate shit like they that. They absolutely. Yeah. But like the thing, I think that the thing is like they, the anonymity allows for the the rumor. I mean, we that's why the rumors exist, but that's why yeah. people make them. You. A festival has an interest in saying that getting the rumor to spread, right? Yeah. And making it seem, and nobody's going to crack down on them because then they can be like, yeah, somebody said that, but why would you believe it? You know what I mean? Yeah. So they like, it's like the ultimate marketing tool if God you're an electronic rest, festival. One of the God biggest is soul, but uh, MF Doom, that was his mystique too, right? Yeah. He wears the metal mask. Yeah. And sometimes he sends imposters. Like he'll, you'll mm -hmm. go see a concert and he yeah. sent someone else to do it. I love yeah. the super That's villain a thing. It's a great energy. I love his, I, that, that you said the quote on the show before. Why, why would you do that? Because that's what a super villain would do. Yeah. I mean, it's such that's a good like, persona yeah. that I he lives. I love it. Uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. And the rumor stuff like added to the allure of the band. I love there gossiping. Was a, I, I love gossiping. There was a, there was a, a rumor went beyond 
beyond just rumor and into like it's actually happening one year was that they were going to play Burning Man and that there's this huge thing all over the internet. It's happening. They're going to be at Burning Man. They're here at Burning Man. And then at one of the offshoot stages somewhere uh, on La Playa, two guys like played in helmets like it and and like people were posting videos like it's happening but i'm like zooming in. it's it's two guys in like motorcycle helmets that's very cool and, and like it like good for them good for whoever those two guys were good for them it was not daft punk over the years uh, uh over the last what if it was daft punk in motorcycle helmets it could why That'd not who gives a shit yeah. let's say it was here that's officially. my favorite rumor <laughs> that's a rumor we're starting right now yeah that actually was daft punk and you actually did see them i think we mentioned uh on the show actually that that uh they were uh, linked in like 2019 uh they were linked to do another film score for dario argento uh an, an italian film guy he said right didn't he say that they were he was working with them yeah i think they were i think they so were there, there's very together. there's a very real possibility that they actually were working on it he let slip uh, about it and uh uh they ended up um that ended up falling apart if it was ever uh, yeah. real f- to begin with. There was they a 20- would love I, he he did the 1977 Suspiria. Right, he's like a I'm legendary sure director. Him. I'm he's he's a guy. He's like a Giorgio Moroder or Paul Williams, yeah. where he's just like in his. He's 80 years old. He's That's like, their yeah, kind I'm of working guy. With the, the their stadium kind of, act. <laughs> their kind of guy is the oldest artist in the, the world. oldest Italian man on earth. <laughs> there was a 2019 um, rumor. That as Coldplay was finishing up their latest al- album, that uh, Daft Punk contributed to that in some way. That spread across the internet. Uh, that would that would have sucked. I'm so glad <laughs> Daft, that Punk, that, Daft I, Punk wrote that new song, Higher Power. I am so glad that that one was a rumor. I that would have sucked. Uh, um, in uh, in 2018, a a track hit uh, like a snippet of a track, maybe like 30 seconds, hit the internet. This is the new Daft Punk. It's happening. Um, it was a guy named T uh, TK Nick um, who spread it, and uh, it was a gimmick. He got it. He got people to buy in. He was like, "This is the new Daft Punk. It's it's leaking." It was his track, and he got it. Yeah. He got it like all over the internet. People were freaking out. Uh, in the way that like uh, every parody song, yeah, for fifteen years was labeled as Weird Al yeah. on LimeWire. Every I downloaded so much shit Absolutely. that was good French touch music that was just labeled down. Yeah, punk. this is this is the this is the TK Nick song. I can't. I'm not gonna play any more of that. I'm uh, actually good on that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good on that. The all like the only thing that might have tricked people was like that there were vocoder yeah. situations in there, but yeah. there is. There's way too much loud, crazy stuff going on for that to be feasibly Daft Punk. Um, obviously, there were world tour rumors. Mix Mag and our buddy Nick Stevenson did not um, did not help at all. That was their that was their big uh, 2017 April Fools article <laughs> was that they had announced the the a live 2017 world tour. Which is too plausible because of a Live 97, a Live 2007. Yeah. A Live 2017 was too plausible to put out as a uh, – that, that was irresponsible journalism to do that one. That's Poe's Law. Um, uh, Nick mentioned the Las Vegas residency rumor. 
that 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 conceivably the only way Daft Punk could un, like see them uh, doing Ram live was a uh, Las Vegas residency involving a lot of the collaborators. That was a big rumor for a long time, uh, and he mentioned it as if it was maybe more than a rumor when he was on the show. I understand why that would be cool. I understand why that would suck. But the part of me that loves like 60s Las Vegas and that culture of just like you go live there for yeah. three months and do a run of shows, that sounds so fun to me. That would be, yeah. I know Las Vegas can be kind of a nightmare and it's not always fun. Yeah. But if you were at a level of, if you were that kind of level of performer, that would be a fun. And you just got to be there with a bunch of your buddies yeah. and hanging out and doing a In show a and a big night. group would yeah. be very cool. Absolutely. So, Daft Punk's the Daft Punk rumor mill culminated in two big ones in 2020 and into 2021. Uh, the first one was in the early months of 2020, pre-pandemic. Uh, a track list came out. Uh, a Columbia, um, a Columbia uh, studio list came out of some stuff that they were working on. It had uh, producers Tomas uh, Giman. It had Mick Guzowski as the mix engineer who they've worked with before. It had Paul Hahn's name on there, their uh, their uh, manager, and it looked it looked legit that they uh, that these post these pictures got posted on Reddit, uh, and it looked like contracts for studio time. Uh, and that was the first tip that we had that Daft Punk was somewhere in the studio working on new material for the first time since Ram. And with that idea, it seemed like throughout 2020, we were ramping up to the next round. Uh, I don't know if this was a fake. I don't know. If they really did record stuff in early 2020, I don't know. There's never been any definitive uh, stuff one way or the other. But uh, for I was working under the impression as a Daft Punk fan that they were actively working on new music through 2020. Um, uh, and then um, the Super Bowl rumors kicked things into high gear, really, again, uh, in the early months of 2021. So just two weeks after Tomas and Guimon, uh, uh, so they, they, do, you, do you remember uh, the weekend played the Super Bowl this year? Yes. Uh, and that was all anybody was talking about, at least people I pay attention to on the internet, <laughs> was that Daft Punk was going to be there. I'm sure you heard those rumors. I did hear those rumors from you. From me. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. but I, 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 I did. I mean, I, I by um, – by then, I, I was digging into Daft Punk stuff, uh, obviously. Um, so I was aware of this rumor as well. Um, they came out and, you know, they uh, the weekend came out the week of the Super Bowl and said it's not happening. Yeah. I, I, he, he didn't specifically name them. He said, I, uh, uh, I am having a big spectacle. I have a lot of dancers. I've got a lot of moving pieces. Because of that, I'm having no collaborators at all. Just, but I, I specifically think and that some stationary pieces too. They had a lot of stationary. If it was pieces. all moving. That'd be. Fun. It was a great show. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't see the weekend Super Bowl halftime show, uh, look it up on YouTube. It's a great, great performance. It's one of the best Super Bowl performances in a long time. I think. Uh, dare I say so myself? 
Just two weeks after Tomas and Guillemot didn't join their friend the weekend in Tampa for the big game, they posted a video on their official YouTube account for the first time in six years. It was titled Epilogue, and the date, 2-22-2021, flashed across the screen before the robots were shown slowly walking through the desert. Most fans recognized it as a clip from uh, the end of the avant-garde film the boys made during the Human After All era, Electroma, in which two Daft Punk uh, robots yearned to be human before self-destructing in the desert. Millions of other fans watched eagerly, assuming uh, that this was some sort of exciting announcement of what might come next. Five minutes into the video, Tomas blows up. <laughs> and Touch, the psychedelic epic from Random Access Memories, slowly fades in. A logo of the robot hands forming a pyramid fades uh, in alongside it. Below it reads 1993 to 2021. Hours later, their publicist confirmed that Daft Punk had officially parted ways. So Tony Gardner and Busy P, they were right. Uh, when they had seen the end of Electroma, they had wondered out loud whether they had, uh, that we had seen the last of the robots. Yes, it turned out. It just took 16 more years, a world-changing uh, world tour, a score for a major blockbuster Disney picture, a genre-defining uh, Grammy-winning magnum opus, a number one smash hit single with one of the biggest pop stars in the world, and the cementing of them as one of the most influential and important acts in the history of music to get there. The end of the Electroma was the end of Daft Punk. But like everything else in their careers... It happened completely on their terms and in a way that nobody in the world could have predicted. Do you remember what, where you were when you watched it? Where I, when I watched the epilogue, yeah. I was in my bed. I woke up because um, two nights, like I like I like I we've, I said, we said it a couple times. Two nights before we had, um, you know, that that Grant Park show you were at, the footage oh. had come out recently, and it we was the Saturday we watched here in my living room. We're in my mm -hmm. we're in the studio right now, but a couple rooms over, we were in the living room. Uh, we watched the footage of the show you were at, and I, you know, I remember being so excited because we were, we, we, the, the, the walk away moment was like, we're gonna go, we're gonna get as to soon as this. we can, we're gonna do this together. And then I woke up on Monday morning, and I just saw a in our yeah. thread, it was just a, a picture of Daft Punk, and it was a video, and I got very excited because I thought the same thing. This is I good. Yeah. I thought this is a good thing, yeah. and then I watched it, and it was like, oh no, this is not good. This is the opposite of good. I, I, so I, I was, woke up and I was checking the news in bed and then I saw that and then I sent the message to the group. Yeah. I saw it on Twitter from uh, a Washington Post reporter. I watched the video. I uh, I was uh, I've been helping my father in law do some catering stuff at his catering business. So I like a couple of days a week I get up at five in the morning and I am in like a big semi truck. Um with, uh, you know, I'm like with uh, one of the other delivery drivers in a semi truck too early watching it on my phone and him being like, what the fuck are you? Why did you like we're working? I'm like, I, what, what, please, one second. I, I can't you like grizzled old delivery driver. I can't accurately explain, explain to, to you why, situation why, it's, for me. why it's heartbreaking personally for me that these two robots have decided not to speak to each other anymore. I can't like, I'm sorry. These two, the, the two most important robots in my life uh, have parted ways and I'm sorry, old grizzled little delivery driver. I, yeah, that's wild. Um, it was, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It is. I, I don't know. I, I, in it's, it's frustrating to me that there's no 
statement, you know, and I, I get it. I get I don't expect why there. would there why be? would there be? You're right. Why would there be some like some is, courtesy? Yeah. That, like if the robots are dead, right? If the robots are done, some courtesy from the humans behind yeah. it, right? Some some courtesy for the people. I don't who think want. I, I, don't, I get it. Okay, I get so it. I don't think that they personally owe us jack shit. I don't so think like that a lot they of, owe it. But, they don't owe us anything. They gave us a lot of stuff. They don't. And but they, also we gave them. Sure. Sure. They're, an undying, yeah. unyielding fandom. You know, yeah, like that's I what I that. think. But I, they they presented their whole career as like, we're these two guys that don't talk. We, we don't want you to see our faces. We don't want you to – we don't want you to know us personally. That's been the whole thing. But really? they could I, shut a lot of people up by just saying, hey, we're done. Yeah. It's not bad. Thank you. They, they know, what, two sentences. Yeah. They could – they I, could do a lot that gets rid of this speculation of people trying to figure shit out. Any or job you do for thirty years, you can retire from. Yeah, you know? you're allowed. To. I'm, I'm not mad at them for stopping, no, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't think that they owe us anything. I just, I, it, it, that's it the thing be, that's a little surprising to it me. It would be, it would be an antithesis of what they've built their career doing for them to come out with a. Or big it statement. would be finale. I'm not even saying a big statement. I'm saying just something that says yes, this is true from us, not our publicist. Thank you for for the support over the, you know, oh, something like yeah. that. Uh, so the outpouring of sadness and nostalgia was immediate. It was intense. I mean, that's was what we're long. doing now. <laughs> we're still doing it. Four months later. For a week, dance music was front and center of the cultural zeitgeist. As every music news site, fan, critic, blog, they all posted about their love and appreciation for the two French robots who had changed the course of music history. Friends and collaborators joined each other on apps like Clubhouse to share stories and answer fan questions, eulogizing the group and speculating about uh, what happened and why it was happening now. A week later, one of the two French, uh, one of the two robots, briefly and cryptically broke uh, their radio silence. A French TV news crew had contacted Tomas to see if he wanted to comment about the breakup. Just moments before the piece aired, uh, Tomas sent a message. It was a brief clip of Charlie Chaplin walking down a deserted street, arm in arm with a lovely young lady. The video fades out to reveal a drawing of a smiley face under which Tomas had quoted, "Touch." If love is the answer, you're home. So that is something. That is something, and I didn't even know about that. Oh, you did? Okay, so, so yeah, that it, helps a little bit. Yeah, that was that the, does help he's me. He's in love bit. with Charlie Chaplin. He's, yeah, him. He's in love with Charlie Chaplin and Pharrell. Yeah, Those are the two things we learned guys, in the last four months. He wants. That does make me feel a little bit better. Good. Okay, I, it really does. So because that, it's yeah. an indication. It was of, a happy face. It was right. a happy face. It said, "If love is the answer, you're home." And then it said, "Merci, Quotidien." Quotidien. It was the news site, so it said, "Thank you, Quotidien." Yeah. Uh, Tomas. Uh, so that was the last thing. Uh, I'm glad that makes you feel a little bit better. Uh, um, that it, it's a, I think like a smiley face. I think it's a nice thing. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's all I'm asking yeah. for. Right. Is is an indication of like yeah. goodwill and then like everything's okay. Yeah. You know, like there's a two part thing. I, I don't even, I, I, I keep going back to the random access memories hug. Yeah. And the love that you could see there. You can't see their faces. They're covered by the robot masks. But the love that you can see between those two guys as they celebrate in that moment, the 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 culmination of 20 years of hard work to get to the top of the, you know, yeah. they did it. Um, and I choose to believe from that moment that they they have just gotten to a point where they want more things. They want different like things. I, like we've said a few times. I mean, it's still fresh they it's both not, we're not that far removed they have, from this I, yeah I, if you do the be, celebrity net worth thing they both have over 50 million dollars they they have poured their their souls into this they have both very clearly and at some points verbally 
moved on from electronic music in their lives, they that with no matter what they do, like listen to Ram, no matter what they do as a couple, no matter or, uh, as a as a program a band, no matter what they do under the Daft Punk label, no matter how weird the mu- like how str- far off the path of dance music they stray. Daft Punk is a dance music entity, and I think that fundamentally they are interested in different stuff now as two as two artists. So I think that has something big to yeah. do with it. They they want they are they yeah. want to explore different things, and under the Daft Punk label, no matter what they do, it's going to get pegged as dance music. It'll just it'll it, without getting. I don't want to try to speculate. I mean, I'm sure we'll do a, a fair amount of that next week or whatever. But I guess the. For me, the thing that will be nice is inevitably when one of them does something publicly and there's some type of answer for I hope one the of them commits next. a crime or something. Yeah, I mean, anything. Crazy. I mean, I was honestly, like robs a bank. Yeah, I know that that's nuts. like they that, have like with the helmet on. That's a bit or whatever. But like anything, anything that puts them in a public eye where it's like, OK, this is what's going on. I mean, I I, I don't know. There's. Eh, I don't know. I, it's, it's I would be fine if they never. I, I know they will never do this because they're interested in anonymity and stuff but even if they never made music again i wish i hope there are people from this that become just like the elder statesmen of this stuff yeah you know i talked about it the other day and the way that like henry rollins is like in every documentary talking about it and the way that like nile rogers is in every documentary about disco talking about it i hope there are people yeah that are going to you know be like yeah. the archivists, the people well, who who contribute to that conversation. I think that I like I like with the Parcells stuff. I think in their own unique way, they might be interested in yeah, something like that. I think they so too. celebrated the Giorgio stuff. They did that movie. They helped those these Australian teenagers like hone their disco yeah. instincts. Disco instincts. There's cool. an EP That's title. Cool. <laughs> um. But yeah, I think that they are they are interested in in romanticizing this these kinds yeah. of noises. But and all like yes, I I agree with that. But like that's five things over eight years or whatever too. So even if they spent a year on each one yeah. of those things, there's still three years yeah. and, and they didn't, you know? So like I don't know. Maybe 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 they are just spending time with their family, and maybe so, they don't even think about yeah. this at all at the level that we care about it or yeah. whatever. So you know? the the quotidian thing was four months ago. Neither Tomas nor Guiman have made a public peep since then. There have been a few sporadic mentions of the boys. Uh, Todd Edwards mentioned that they that he had known they were both working on music separately, things like that, but nothing official and nothing definitive. Just like that, Daft Punk was gone. We may never know why Daft Punk chose to hang up the helmets after 28 years together. The reason Tomas and Guimond decided to put on the helmets in the first place was to protect their private lives from the glare of the public spotlight. Perhaps no other artist in history has been able to protect their anonymity so securely while their art made such a significant global impact as Daft Punk. By hanging up the helmets, they have chosen one of their two very different lives, the normal life, with the happy partners, raising children, building a family. They are or were international rock stars who could voluntarily take off that disguise and return to the normal world. And that's exactly what they did. If we do someday find out more about the breakup, it will be on Daft Punk's terms. It's really a misconception that an artist can regain control if this control has been lost, uh, somehow compromised along the way. That was the thesis of this whole show from the very get-go. That is a quote from Tomas uh, talking about what 
Daft Punk wanted. Uh, all the way to the end, Daft Punk refused to lose control of their own fate. Someday, Tomas will release an album or some sort of film. Someday, Guimon may put together a prog rock group or build a lucrative production career. Someday, we will hear what they are up to and we will enjoy what they have to offer. But Daft Punk is gone. We can bask in the memories of the beautiful art they gave to the world, but never again wonder what may be next. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the show. That's the show. That's the show. That's Daft Punk. Uh, uh, these, uh, I love these guys, and I, uh, I loved doing this with you, too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great. I it's a good yeah. Time. Um, did very rarely uh, as somebody who uh, does art uh, and writes stuff. Very rarely does a big swing for the fences reach all the way to the end yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and, and just in terms of us like we following through on a thing we followed through i i wrote sixty thousand words about daft punk in the last four months well some of them were doubles some so. of them were doubles because you i wrote like every time you just, say daft and punk, and punk so that yeah you know absolutely <laughs> um um but uh you know uh That's we a put a, cool a lot of work into the show and um did a lot of research and read a lot of stuff and uh but it never felt like work because i got to do yeah. it with my two best friends yeah. and uh, um uh and ultimately what i was working so hard on was um an appreciation and uh, mythologizing of my favorite band in the world yeah it was great i mean i i i i don't want to get too into like the retrospect because we have a whole episode to talk about all of this stuff but this musically yeah. for me and transformative in our friendships and, and broadening that this experience has been truly unmatched in in growth as far as friendship goes between us but also growth as far as rekindling a musical side of my brain and, and yeah. wanting to learn about a vast swath of art out there to influence my creativity. Um, so uh, that's awesome. Uh, and I'm really happy about that. It's a very cool feeling when you find something you like and you're like, that's cool. Is there more of this? Yeah. And then yeah. to find out there is a world of it. There's yeah. a whole and world. that's, that's what's very cool about this sort of thing. And that is exactly my relationship to this band. Yeah, I was uh, I was a little um, punk kid that grew up in West Michigan where there was not really any avenue into the world of electronic dance music. Um, it and I saw these guys play in the pyramid and it changed my life and it made me search out more of it. And, you know, um, it's yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those things like you like you grow up it. it you grow up in a weird small town uh, away from this kind of stuff and uh, weird, you know, weird, loud, abrasive music might seem scary and in some in some ways dangerous. There, There's yeah. a there is a public perception of this music that is is in some way dangerous because of, you know, connotations or or certain substances tied to it, um, uh, you know, um whether that uh, is fair or unfair to the music itself. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I don't but, think that there's um, anything like substance wise. There's, there's drugs everywhere. There's chemicals yeah. everywhere yes. in every genre yeah. of music. But I don't think it's fair to just there's say, a, yeah, it's lumped in it. There is, you know, there's no words to the music. It's just this weird primal 
like guttural thing where it makes makes your body move and for some reason that is perceived as dangerous or or like that it will alter your worldview make you make you a more dangerous or risk I think just like any person. the underground scene there is a draw from the inside out to what, want what to be true, other as well as what far the true as, the true thing is that it is that there is no other community of music appreciators that is so loving and welcoming and warm and and uh uh that then dance music fans yeah. there I've never felt more at home than than going to a big dance music party and just being enveloped with love and welcomeness. You can go make, you can go to a show and make best and you friends. Can make friends. And, and make, that's, there are, yeah, I've been to a lot of concerts where that is not, the I case. could not show up and meet some people I'm going to hang out with after. Yes, absolutely. Um, everyone, everyone there is there to have a good time. And in weirdly, everyone make sure that everyone else is having a good time. You know, that's part of it. Like you go yeah. there and people are like, people, people will help you. If you need help, people will give you a high five. If you look like you're having fun, people trade like trinkets and bracelets just because they want to sh share a specific Got moment with a stranger. Right yeah. On my yeah. Microphone. People, yeah. People share bracelets. Like, Hey, I had, I just had this magical, uh, moment with you and let's let's sh like share that moment forever and freeze this moment in time by by trading bracelets just so we remember each other forever even though our only reaction or re interaction was this 30 second thing that like like this this world is incredible i am a better person because uh i am a part of it um it i have a better outlook on life in the world because i'm a part of it uh and um, and that was only open to me through the lens of, of being introduced to Daft Punk. So when I say that this band changed my life, I, I mean it as hard as I can. I, I am a better person and I am more comfortable in the person I am because they introduced me to this entire world. And I can't say thank you enough. Hell yeah. Thanks, Bots. Thank Thanks, you, Bots. Bots. But we got what do we got next week? So next week, we're going to recap. We're going to just hang out. No script. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk about what we learned, what we experienced. And we are all going to rank the albums and rank our top 10 favorite Daft Punk songs. I will uh, let you guys know right now that probably while you're listening to this, uh, we're going to be spending some time, the three of us, uh, outside in nature uh, over the next yep. few days. And I have on good authority uh, that we're going to be revisiting all of these albums yep. and talking about this music uh, in preparation uh, for uh, for for this next episode where we Absolutely. get to look back on all this. So uh, I think we'll have some fun new points for you guys. It'll be a fun episode. Absolutely. I love having fun. Uh, and then that that uh, that might be it for a while. We're gonna take a little break. We I, finished I think this that, project, I think but that we will be back. Yeah, we'll I think be it's back. safe to say the next thing we'll do is the Phantom of the Paradise yeah, talk. I think that that we'll, we'll do that at some point, and then by we'll then have, we'll have a better picture for you guys about what we're gonna. We'll do. have yeah. an interesting interview or two with you with with some folks that have yeah. some really uh, good uh, insights and uh, experiences with Daft Punk, uh, and we've got the Phantom of the Paradise one coming up. 
And uh, we'll have we'll have, we'll have stuff. We'll um, have something. We're going for you to guys. we're we're planning on doing maybe some one-off album listening party episodes that are unrelated to Daft Punk, but within this world, we should absolutely do an episode on 2012 to 2017. Yeah, yeah. We that'd should, be a lot of fun. We should do a No Geography one. We yeah. should do one on the Bee Gees cover record. That yeah, the Foo Fighters. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, why yeah. not? Let's do that. Cool. Uh, um, yeah, I guess we're at songs, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Every week we do a feature called Our Bleeps to Your Blurps. <laughs> uh, and it's been called that every week. You can go back From and my check. plops to yours. From my blarps to your blurps. Uh, where we pick a song in the world of dance music <laughs> that we're appreciating right now. It could be something brand new that we uh, have discovered. could be something brand o- uh, brand old that <laughs> we have discovered. Uh, it could be something that we've loved. It could be something for- brand new. It could be something Taking Back Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it could be something we've loved forever and we're, and we're just sharing uh, one of our favorite things of all time. It could be something. Who knows where it comes. It's just a dance music thing that we're vibing to in this particular moment, just so we can share our love with this uh, of this stuff with you, the audience who wants to go first. I can go first. Uh, so I was, you know, just, so this is, could be filed under all timer. Yes. This is absolutely filed <laughs> under all timer, all timer, verified all timer. I was, you know, just digging around, uh, adding stuff to, to the set and, and, uh, came across an all timer, uh, that I had, Forgotten about. Uh, get get down, Paul Johnson. ones like andy you said it while we were talking before the episode the mark of an all-timer or like the height of success in this music at least is just you know that song and you don't know why right like you think of like dirty vegas like days go by or something like that that's another one everybody knows why i I don't know yeah um it's you know uh i don't know it's just that song Stand, it just yeah. it stands out. Satisfaction it stands out. It's, by it's, Benny Benassi is yeah. in that category. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it's just a, uh, just it's an all timer. You know? It's an all timer, and yeah. it uh, yeah, absolutely. And deserves Paul Johnson, a listen. If you haven't listened to it in a while, Paul Johnson, uh, one of the boys' heroes. I think it's the, that's the first uh, the first name in teachers, right? Paul Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the music video for Burning. Uh, and he's he is the DJ in the music video for Burning. That's true. Um, he never actually worked with them. He was just uh, shouted out by them, but remember, um, we had uh, we had a little bit about their um, their their first U.S. show on their tour, not the not the Wisconsin yeah. uh, festival sh- yeah, set, yeah. but their first the first U.S. show on their first tour was at a bowling alley in Chicago, and they opened for Paul Johnson. That's awesome. Yeah, um, so they they absolutely love him, and uh, and. You, I think you can see a little bit of why and yeah. a track like Get Get Down. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, this is Hugger Mugger uh, by Chloe.
Those drums are crazy. Hugger mugger, hugger I barely mugger. know her. Hugger mugger, I barely know her. Bower. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good tune. Good tune, That's Chloe. Good tune. Uh, um, yeah, this one came out just like um, right around the time that we started this show. Actually, <laughs> I think. Uh, I don't. I don't think she's broken big yet, uh, but I think she will eventually. Those drums are insane. That was very groovy. Those drums are really great, uh, and I cannot wait to see uh, more of what Chloe uh, comes out with. She's great. Hell yeah! And I picked a song called "Night Echoes" by Kareem Ali. That that I if uh if I if we just like put a bunch of stiff stuff in a playlist together, I would be like, oh, Devin put that yeah. one in there. That sounds like the <laughs> yeah, way yeah, I yeah. like yeah. to make absolutely. Music too. Yeah, uh, yeah. Grandma Lee, man, he fucking rocks. He put out like seven albums last year. He's really? <laughs> what is that? He's mean? incredibly prolific. He puts out shit all Whoa. the time. He does a ton of weird deep house stuff. Uh, I think he's a younger dude from like Arizona or something. Okay, he's great. Go listen to his music, um, and if you're super into it, tell him that and tell him that the Daft Punk podcast sent you because I really like his stuff. Yeah. He did a he had a uh, an official remix on the uh, Caribou remix album. Oh like, hell of yeah, the new one, and it was he did a, a remix of Sonny's theme. Yeah, he, he's really good, man. man. I he's a guy I want to get to come play. Yeah, that'd be stuff. great. Yeah, I really like him. I uh I just listened to a little bit of caribou stuff with my wife on the on the drive uh, up north this weekend. And he man, said, it's just like undeniable. He said the new record. He said like every every time he does a new record, he has he's like you know I have all these little demos and snippets. Yeah. For the new one, it was nine hundred little demos wow. and snippets. That's a lot. That's a lot of demos and snippets. I you know what I need more in my life? Demo snippets. snippets. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take this idea, but we said DJ Snippers would be a good name. <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lo- I love the new Caribou record. It's the, one of the danciest Caribou yeah. records of all time. Yeah. Please tour as Daphne. Come to Detroit and do a show. Please Daphne. do Daphne a D- Daphne DJ set for us, and maybe just do it for just the three of us. And the vibe that would be incredible. Do, yeah, that would be very okay. uncomfortable. Okay, so all <laughs> I'm asking is for Tomas Orgiman to come over and hang out with me. I'll cook you dinner. We'll hang out. You can sleep over if you need to. <laughs> the next, the day after, if you want to continue to hang out, Daphne will be playing a DJ set for <laughs> Devin and Darren and I in the five If you want, there's no pressure. House. There's no de- there's no pressure to hang out. And in between, we're gonna watch Phantom of the Paradise. We're, we'll watch a bunch of movies. Yeah, we'll watch Xanadu. You we'll guys watch, will love Xanadu. So we'll watch. We'll watch. Honestly, we probably would watch movies that you guys would yeah. really yeah. enjoy. We'll, we'll watch, watch Oz the Great and Powerful. We'll watch Oz the Great and Powerful. We'll watch. You'll, we'll watch your Phantom of the Paradise, which is Phantom of the Paradise, and then we'll watch our Phantom of the Paradise, which is No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred. <laughs> yeah. 
I wasn't sure what you were going to say because there are a few movies oh, that absolutely. could be our family of the paradise. Absolutely. No holds Xanadu is, is our whole Xanadu, Xanadu is my yeah. no holds barred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying. <laughs> a lot of people are saying that Xanadu God. is actually our family of the paradise. John is Hulk Hogan to guys like me. There is, I don't know if I've ever had like a. I'm going to tweet that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had like uh, as such a magnetic attention on a three minute chunk of a movie as that scene where it's just a slow zoom in on on olivia newton john singing by herself in a room and until th- it gets all the way up to just her face it is a powerful i was movie. like great I, movie i love you xanadu, xanadu is a powerful movie and i love olivia newton john forever cool uh, and I love Tomasa Gibbon forever. And all I'm asking is for one of you to come hang out in the vibe den. I'll even if if it makes you uncomfortable, I'll even take down all of the Batman posters if that makes you uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> you're like a fucking, you're like a 14 year old being like, I hope that Justin Leo Bieber, DiCaprio yeah. comes yeah. to my. I I need boys to men to come visit yeah. my room. Damn. All right. I think I. Oh wait, we gotta introduce ourselves. I'm Andy. I'm Darren. This I'm Devin Jetski, and you can. Follow me on fucking Spotify. This is a live 2021 of Daft Punk podcast. I don't know that we said that on time. No, I don't think we did. But okay. I think if they're this far, they probably realize it yeah. now. I, know. I, would, I would assume so. Uh, and I think that with that, we'll we'll be back with the, uh, the, I, the look back I, episode yeah. next week. We're, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna have fun um, debating each other's top ten lists. God, we'll, have, we'll figure out exactly how that looks and feels. I, I, I got to I'm not going to get into it, but it's very difficult. Yes. For me. I can't imagine how it's going to be for you. <laughs> There's 53 studio tracks oh, total. Thanks. I might just <laughs> on off is obviously number one. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to come with one to 53. <laughs> he's going to do it. He's got an Excel spreadsheet. And he's dragging and dropping. Was it Dar- what, is that is that the song that Darren was talking about that he liked? Yeah. I the, like the, inter- the interlude 19, on human. 19 seconds that I dig. I like some of the seconds between when the tracks don't. Yeah. You can't even hear. I actually like that part. Yeah, the interesting thing of on off is what's said in between. The notes they don't. The, the shots they yeah. don't. Take. I love on off is number one. The radio thing from homework is number two. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. That's where I'm starting. <laughs> All right, you guys. We will. Uh, we'll so, be back next week. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, you can find me on Instagram at Andy Reid, Andy Reid, R-E-I-D, uh, or Doctor Good Tweets on Twitter. I'm at the most Darren on all the social medias and everywhere. And I live in hell and I was born there. Hell yeah, uh, Devin lives in hell and he was born there. Devin. Email us at info <laughs> at alive2021.com. And we will see you next week for our rigorous wrap-up episode. Bye. Alive 2021 is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid, developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit alive2021.com.